The first sign that there was trouble was I got to the checked in and I picked up Time magazine and there was a review for the film in there. And Michelle was reviewed as a possible new Tuesday Weld and yours truly wasn't sort of really mentioned. I think the critic was reserving judgment. But the film, it was a big thumbs down on the film. And that was an ominous sign. We didn't open well. And I think there were two reasons why we didn't open well. I'm looking back on it now. Partially, the school bus arrived, and the only person they saw get off it was Eugene and, and Didi Khan. I don't think we had anybody else on that bus from there. So, you know, you at, the, at one of the, the, the tryouts of it, I remember sitting there and feeling it all around me that people were waiting for Stalker. They were waiting for this one. They were waiting for... None of them were there. Oh, I knew they could feel they missed them right away. They had to get to know a whole new bunch of people on a sequel to something they had watched at least five times. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Not A Bomb Podcast. Uh, Brad, let's just skip the traditional intro. I've, I've been waiting for this for a while. This is a pretty big episode for us, right? Yeah, because I was going to ask you where the pollen goes, Troy. I'm not going to explain that <laughs> if you don't know it this. But anyways. Ooh. Okay. Uh, yeah, so this month, the wives have been picking out the films. We started out with The Atrocious, The Pest. Uh, followed by a surprising recommendation of Cats, which... Um, bizarre movie. Bizarre film. And uh, we followed that up with tonight's film. And what surprised me the most out of this was two things. First of all, when we said we were going to do this movie, a, a good friend of the show, a, a lifelong friend, said, oh my God, I love that film. Can I talk to you about that film? And I think we were both shocked, right, Brad? Yeah, I almost said, hey, can you take my spot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and on top of that, we uh, we were able to get the person um, to stay up past their bedtime to talk about the film. So we have with us this evening, I'm going to start off with our good friend, Sammy, from the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. How are you tonight, Sammy? I got your pistol right here. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, I was, uh, I'm doing, I'm doing good. Um, our next, Sammy, are you less horny than Grease two or more? <laughs> Where does the balling go? <laughs> no, God! no, God, please. No, I want a soundboard. I know. Um, our, our special guest, Sammy, hold on before you get this, you surprised the hell out of me when you were like, oh my God, I love Grease too. I, I want to be on that show. Can I talk about that? Seriously, man? Yeah. 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 I grew up uh, watching Grease and I was, I was a little, I was a kid. I didn't see Grease two in the theaters. I saw Grease in the theater weirdly as a kid with my parents and Grease two was like one of these cable staples when we first got cable and I thought, well, it can't be bad. It's a sequel to a movie I already love. 
one of the first kind of moments I had like that. Um, and I'll talk more about it as we go along. But yeah, I've been a big fan of this one since I was knee high to a bullfrog. Oh, wow. Okay. There's a little Kentucky coming out of you there. <laughs> yeah. uh, the special guest we have this evening is none other than Miss Tabitha Sauer, who recommended the film. How are you, Tabitha? Tired. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like eight o'clock. You should, you're usually in yeah. bed by now. I worked all day. I'm tired. We all worked all day. I, I don't. I'm the teacher. I, I, didn't, I didn't work all day. <laughs> <laughs> I 100% did not work. Today. I forgot Brad. Actually, we don't know what Brad does for a living. We know he doesn't work. Um, well, yeah, hey, I, drank, this, I just, I just drank all day. That's all I do. Oh, there you go. Um, I, th- we're all excited. A, because you're on the show. Mm-hmm. B, we're podcasting on our anniversary, right? 24 years. 24 years. Oh, congratulations. Aww. Thank awesome. you. Yeah. You can almost rent a car. Your relationship. Can <laughs> <almost> <laughs> <rent> a car. <laughs> Yeah, we weren't shut up, dog. Um, <laughs> we weren't uh, we weren't married on Valentine's Day. We met on Valentine's Day at an anti Valentine's Day party. Correct for nice. all the single nice. people that were sick of the Valentine's Day stuff. Yes, and um, you tried to rape me that night. I believe. Why are you trying to tell people I tried to rape you? Yeah, you did. You you did you? Are we going to go into why or how? Yeah. Did you go into a fallout shelter? <laughs> yeah, did you go into a, you do it? Almost. <laughs> I tried yeah. to take her to a bathroom to get her phone number because it was really noisy. And as no, soon no. as the do- door shut, she was all over me like an octopus, man. It was. Yeah. If you are at you a party. Did, you did it for why, your country. Why oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's why that song gives me like PTSD. If you were oh. at a party, why would you need to go to a bathroom to get a girl's number? It was crowded. <laughs> it's not that it crowded. Was, oh, my Please. God. I'm not Please. getting into this with you. You just PTSD didn't want to possibly crunk. get rejected in front of other people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and true. So, yeah. yeah. So you Maybe. took me into the bathroom, and I'm like, all right, it's about to go down. We're going to make it <laughs> yeah. out in the bathroom. He wants some <laughs> yeah. privacy. And so I started kissing him, and he was like, that's not what I brought you in here for. I was like, I just got to take a huge shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know good five guys out there that would love to be in this bathroom with me. <laughs> I couldn't get my whistle out fast (laughs) enough to get help. (laughs) She was all over me, man. Just do it for your country. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tabitha, what movie are we talking about tonight? Grease 2? Grease 2. One of your favorites, right? It is. I love Grease 2. Okay. Well, as custom on our podcast, anytime somebody shows up for the first time, we want to get to know them a little bit. And so we have a few questions that we're going to ask you. And and for anybody who's listening, it's just a way for them to kind of get to know you, maybe understand what kind of movies you like so that when you start sharing your opinions, um, the, the ones that are wrong, um, they know where it's coming from. I don't know how to be wrong. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Spoken like a true teacher. Yeah, that's a teacher coming out. All right, so I'm going to start with the first question, okay? So we, we've all got a couple questions for you. I may or may not have answers for you. <laughs> They're not hard. Don't worry about it. None of them are math related. I would so. rather have math related. <laughs> I know you would. Okay, first one. This mm-hmm. one's got to be easy. What is your favorite movie of all time? Probably Shakespeare in Love. Why, why Shakespeare in Love? Because it has sentimental value. Because it's about somebody in America or somebody in the movie. They end up getting separated, and one's in America and one's in England. When that movie came out, as you know, we were I was studying abroad in England and Troy was back here in the US and it was probably around our one year anniversary of dating that that movie was out about that time. And so I was like sobbing my eyes out at this lovely love story 
about people separate being separated. And so, yeah, it always has a special touch. It touches my heart. Okay. All right. That's a good answer. I'll, I'll take that one. That's a good. Pick. Oh, I like that. I like that film. I, I may, am I the only one amongst us males who like oh, that? No, he loves it. No, oh, I, I like it. I, it's yeah. fine. Is that John Madden? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. that John Madden. Yeah, John, not that Madden. The Boom. other, not John that John Madden. Madden. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Tough action connecting. All right. Um, my, I'm, I'm up next, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the next one. Yeah. Uh, if Hollywood made a movie about your life, who would you like to see play the lead role as you? I would say the actress that looks most like me before she had a nose job was Jennifer Grey. When she had the nose job, she was like unrecognizable. But I was like back in the high school, I had the short curly hair like you see in that she had in Dirty Dancing. And to the point where like I just showed Angel Dirty Dancing this past year, I think it was last summer. And she was very disturbed watching it because all she could see was her mom dirty dancing throughout this movie. (laughs) So she would probably be the person to play me. Nice. Dirty Dancing's huge in my house. Mm -hmm. Huge. I'm trying to think, is, is there a worse decision? And well, there, there are, there, there are many, but like, as like a, as a, as a physical thing, as Jennifer Gray changing her nose, like that's gotta be like the top 10, like, yeah. what are you doing sort of situations? Right. What, what happened to the lady who got her haircut or changed her hair and all of a sudden her career went to Carrie? Yeah. What's her name? Uh, I just watched a film with her in it. And now I can't remember her name all of a sudden. Yeah. The, the, the hair thing. Oh, yeah. She was in Felicity. 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 Yeah. Yeah, oh, I, can't remember. I know who you're talking about. She had the big, long hair, curly hair. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. changed your yeah, hairstyle, sure. and all of a sudden yeah. the show went under or something. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, Sammy, you got the next one. Uh, what was the first movie you remember seeing in a theater? My first movie was E.T. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. It wasn't The Thing? Because that came out about the same time, right? No. Stop talking. We can't. Well, you got, you're already stepping on my toes with this conversation. <laughs> Stop it right now. <laughs> yeah, we'll get back to this later. <laughs> No, my very first movie was E.T. And I cried when I thought he died. Okay. I still do. Yeah. <laughs> I says I do tear up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've, only, I've only watched that film three times. That's really? it? You've seen Grease 2 like 20,000 times, and you've seen E.T. That's, three times. That tells you how good Grease 2 is. That, that tells me Sammy needs some <laughs> priorities in his life. <laughs> that. The hair actress is Carrie Russell, by the way. Carrie Russell. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Uh, I got a question for you. So who is your favorite Ninja Turtle and why? Angel kind of prepped me for the saying that that was probably going to be coming. Um, I I really don't like being up on the microphone like this. Um, I chose Michelangelo because he's free spirited and funny and not a care in the world. And it's not that I relate to him so much. It's more like who I... Wish I was more like, again, because I feel like I'm a very serious person a lot of times. Why do you act like Raphael all the time, though? Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Are we allowed to cuss on here? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Go ahead. <laughs> Are we allowed to bitch slap people on here? <laughs> you are. You're, yes, yes. Okay, good, good, yes, good. you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's our, all right, it's our anniversary, honey. Make- Jeez. <laughs> I, I can't imagine what makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> See, Raphael, right there. That is a Raphael response. Oh, come on. <laughs> anyway, um, what is the worst movie sequel ever made? And you can't say Grease 2. Well, you can. I would I mean, never. Can, but I would yeah. never. Um, we were trying to, because my brain was moving slow this evening. Troy pulled up the 50 worst um, 
sequels up from Rotten Tomatoes up on the internet today. And so, Micah, out of the ones I saw, um, it would be Batman and Robin. Batman. Okay, so Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. not a fan. I I like all the people that are in it. It's just a shit movie. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's it's kind of fun. It's a fun <laughs> film. I of course I kind of like that. Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not a good film, but I mean, when you know you love it. <laughs> You love to watch train wrecks. I do love to watch. I mean, not this kind of train wreck that we're going to talk about, but Batman and Robin's better. All right, Sammy, you got you got the last one, I think. All right. Uh, what is your favorite movie bomb that you recommend to everybody? The Pest. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I love The Pest so much. Oh, oh God. <laughs> so much. Uh, moving on. Yeah. Um, I am giddy watching that movie. It is. It. it I don't get it. I don't, I know the night we met, I was asking questions, you know, like that wasn't one of them. I know I should have asked, like, do you like the pest? And if you, <laughs> do you like hate crime? The movie? <laughs> when did the pest come out? Uh, before we met. Did it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The dog in the background is our dumb blind dog. That is upstairs staring at a wall, barking at it. Usually I take care of the dog while you record. So you don't have to deal with this. I, I don't. I don't know what the dog's. It's just staring at a wall, barking. It wants to go up to <laughs> I, the bedroom. I right. do that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, tonight we are talking about. So you got to pick two films for <laughs> this month, and you you started out with the pest, and now we're doing. Talk about that more. No, I don't want to talk about the <laughs> pest anymore. Um, and and now we're doing Grease two from nineteen eighty two. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I, I have a real quick question. Did you? I'm gonna kill that dog. <laughs> do you want me to go open the door for? Him? Uh, no, I'll, I'll, I texted our son. He will take care of it. (laughs) Um, did you guys watch Greece this week on top of watching Greece too? Did you watch them back to back or? Are you serious, Clark? (laughs) No, not a chance. (laughs) I didn't know. I know you don't like musicals, Brad. I just thought maybe. I I mean, I've seen Greece. I mean, it was on TBS, I think, literally every Saturday afternoon at 2.30. So I've seen Grease a number of times reluctantly. Um, I didn't need to go back and watch it again. <laughs> you didn't? Okay. Do you, do you, do you, this is probably a no. Do you own Grease? I do. Oh, you do? Okay. I own Grease and Grease too, yeah. Okay. I have a wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just making sure. <laughs> sure. He doesn't own idea. it by choice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Sammy, I know you own both copies. Did did you happen to watch Grease this week or I didn't rewatch Grease. I've seen Grease so many times. Actually, I've seen this film so many times. I've seen these films so many times I can I mean, I just got them memorized front and back. It's just one of those things. Now, Grease, the original Grease film is one of my favorite films of all time. Oh. Really? Would you would you yeah. say top 20? Yes, definitely top 20. Okay. Uh, that's who I don't know. Top 20. I agree with you. I think it's one of the the best musicals of all time. Yep. We, we sat down and watched them back to back. We watched Greece <clears throat> and enjoyed that thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And then we watched Greece too. Um, and somebody enjoyed it ther- thoroughly. Somebody enjoyed it thoroughly. Not, not this person. Um, I did enjoy you watching it, but we'll, we'll get into that. So we're talking about 1982's Greece, Brad, the the whole idea of this podcast is it's it's not a bomb, right? This this thing definitely bombed when it came out, both uh, critically and from a box office perspective, which is kind of strange considering how big.
big of a phenomenon the original Grease was. So do you want to go through the numbers and give us a little history? Yeah, so Grease 2 released June 11th, 1982, um, with a original budget of $5 million. That budget ballooned to $11.2 million and had a box office grand total of $15.2 million. Um, comparatively, Greece numero uno had a box office total of $159 million. So for all my math people out there, that is 10, that is a, uh, 10 times more than what, uh, Greece two got. So, um, yeah, kind of, uh, kind of insane. Um, well, opening the, week, I was gonna say the original Greece didn't have a budget of like 6 million, right? Yes. Yep. And I think worldwide it's made almost it's 330, $340 million. Yeah. It's that's crazy. Yep. Um, yeah, and it's been re-released a few times and all that stuff, but it's original run was 159. That's so. that's nuts. Yeah. Yep. Um, opening weekend makes $4.6 million. That's good enough for fifth place. Um, it is beat out by films like E.T., the extraterrestrial. <laughs> Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan, Ooh. Rocky Three, and Poltergeist. All yeah. all superior films. <laughs> all it was a good much. Year. Yes, that was a good <laughs> weekend, a, man. Gee, that is it was a all great, the same yeah. weekend. <laughs> yeah, you, the month of June of uh, nineteen. We'll just go into it right now. The month of June, nineteen eighty-two releases, probably is like one of the top film months of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. some some have argued that. Well, first of all, some have argued that 1982 is one of the greatest years in film history. Which I, I I'm you're getting ready to go through all that, so I'm yeah. like I'm cutting you off. So I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Troy. Do you know a film called um, Attack Force Z? I do. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. I figured either one between the both of you, all, one of you would know it. Um, then there's a film called Hanky Panky. Yeah, Gene Gene Wilder, right? Yeah, I love that. Film. I love that. Yeah. Sidney Poitier directed that. Oh, that's right. Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, Poltergeist, uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, E.T., The Forest, Grease 2. And then we have Arthur, Arthur, Ooh. Firefox. Oh, and then Clint here we Clint. go. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. June 25th. Ready? We have Blade Runner. Yeah. We have Megaforce. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Monty Python live in at the uh, Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. And The Thing. Wow. That's that's an incredible Loaded. month, man. Yeah. Well, with yes, all that competition, how is it supposed to yeah. make it as much money? Yeah. Dude, you on. could release this break. film any year no. in the eighties and it would have tanked. No, it just wasn't unfair when it got released. <laughs> for, a little, for a little context, domestically, Greece two ranked in at fifty first out of 132 films released in nineteen eighty two. So I mean Top. Top percentile. There we go. Yeah, it wasn't right. yeah, top third-ish, we'll say. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Rotten it's, Tomato. Oh, it's amazing ahead. out of that month how many films bombed just yeah, in that June. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, there Blade was... Blade Runner and... Blade Runner, yeah. 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 I, I think a lot of movies bombed because everybody kept going back and seeing E.T. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Exactly. Because I saw yeah. it twice in the theater. We saw it twice, and then I've watched it once on home video. I've only ever watched it on Laserdisc. I've never watched hmm. it again. Did, I own it. Did anybody see Grease 2 in the theater? I didn't. I didn't. I was negative one years old, so oh. I did not. Also, uh, by the way, I choose to believe that Grease 2 being released in that same month just makes that month that much better. 
Oh, well. Not the other way around. Oh, yeah. Just in, it's like the cherry on top of that month. Yes. That's right. right. I, I, um, do, I do remember seeing it in the theater because my, my folks were so excited about it because my really? dad loved Grease. He loved Saturday Night Fever. He was sure. so excited about Grease 2, and, and we went to see it. Um, and, and he loved Grease 2, which... Love Bobby. Yeah. Of he loves Grease 2. Yeah, he, he did love it. Um, well, how did you feel about it then? How did I... I was kind of bored through okay, the okay, film. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, I, I think I was, was I in my, yeah, I think I was in my ninja phase then. So I, I was wanting to train in the backyard with, you know, being a ninja. So shockingly, uh, the lack of ninjas in this movie is, um, not <laughs> yeah, helping. it doesn't help. No. But I, I mean, I, I really liked, cause I saw Saturday night fever as a kid and Greece as a kid. I loved the original Greece. I just, when I saw this in the theater, it, I didn't, I didn't get it. Like I, not, not a fan. Okay. So critically, yeah, I I was actually shocked by this because I thought Grease 2 was considered one of like the worst movies. It is. Um, It's instead of 38% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 53 from the audience, which I was actually thought they would be much lower. Well, so hold on as a teacher, a 38% and a 53% is still a fail, right? It's a, at that point, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Just clarify. They're gonna do some extra but, credit. <laughs> but it does it does create the conversation that this has become a cult classic. It does, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I <laughs> don't choice. It's, it's so awful choice for him. <laughs> brain is getting ready to explode. There was no face punching, there was no kicking. <laughs> there was there was not one single ninja or was there even a flip? No, there wasn't. I don't even remember any flippies. Oh, yeah, there, there were some. There's some flips. I'm sure there's some flippies. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, and the dancing. Oh, d- don't even. There was barely any dancing in this thing. There were some. There were some splits. Some flips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, with the bowling so, uh, scene. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting ahead. We'll get there. No, no, no. no, no. We'll there. I don't need you to sing. Okay. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> uh, well, do we want to? Do we want to? You're about to see me slide on my knees in the background here. <laughs> That'll be awesome. <laughs> oh boy. We'll release this one as a video as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the people uh, behind the, the camera, in front of the camera. So, the director of Grease Two was Patricia Birch. Now, she is mostly known as a choreographer. Uh, this is her only theatrical film credit as a director, and she's done a lot of TV and music videos. But as a choreographer, this is pretty interesting. Uh, the dances and musical sequences and everything from Greece, they were all staged by her. So she was attached to the original film. She's also done choreography for Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band in 1978, uh, Gilda Live in 1980. So that's the Gilda Radner, I think, uh, Broadway um, show that was kind of turned into uh, a film. So there's some choreography there, and she did that. Sammy, I was going to ask you about this one because I, I, there's no way Brad would know about this film. Zoot Suit from 1981 with Edward James Almos. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have it's you a, seen that? A, yeah, I have. It's a pretty decent movie. It's kind of about the, uh, there's an era where Hispanics and uh, maybe, I, I don't want to get myself wrong here, but I'm just going to say Hispanic Latino culture would wear these. Malcolm, Malcolm X was known for wearing a, a Zoot Suit. So there we go. Okay, so yep. I'm safe to say that. Yes. African-American minority culture would wear these obscenely large suits and go out dancing and things like that. And they kind of got targeted by police and stuff. So that film's kind of about 
a certain incident that involves some zoot suits and stuff. It's a pretty decent movie, actually. It's not it's not bad. I recommend it. Yeah, I, I never heard of it until I was going through the filmography, and then I watched the hell trailer. Of, hell I'm, of a song, too. Yeah, I'm... Yeah. I'm zoot I'm, Suit uh, Riot is... Yeah. <laughs> Love it. I definitely want to check this out now. So, uh, so the screenplay is by Ken Finkelman. Love that last name. A, I yes. can get it right. So that's why I like that last name. Uh, the character and B, he sounds like the guy that's using his Finkel in the bomb shelter. <laughs> <laughs> There's gonna be so many bomb shelter jokes here. Um, so he did the screenplay, but their characters by Jim Jacobs and Warren Casey. Ken Finkelman uh, is gave us Airplane Two, the sequel. I think he was the writer and director which, for it. Which the line between this movie and Airplane Two is like not even that far. Like it is like, oh yes, of course, yeah. of course, they're the same person. It, it yep. is. Uh, he also yep. I, some other things. I was looking at his filmography. So Who's That Girl, 1987, which is the Madonna mm. film, right? Love. Yes. Of course you would. Love that yep. movie. Ken Finkelman. All right. Uh, Illegally Yours, 1988 with Dudley Moore, which oh, yeah. actually is a pretty decent film. I remember that. Uh, it was produced by Alan Carr and Robert Stigwood. Now, Alan Carr did Grease in 1978, yep. Can't Stop the Music in 1980, Where the Boys Are in 1984, and another one uh, that I it's near and dear to my heart growing up, Cloak and Dagger Cloak from and 1984 Dagger. with Dabney Coleman. And um, was it Elliot was in that one from yeah, Henry Thomas, Henry Thomas. Okay. Robert Stigwood. This is where it gets interesting. He did. Uh, he produced Tommy in 1975, a movie that you guys talked about, Sammy, that I totally forgot about until you brought it up in your podcast. Bugsy Malone from 1976. Yeah. Have, yeah. have you seen this one, Brad? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Saturday Night Fever in 1977, Grease in 78, Staying Alive in 1983, the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Arguably the worst sequel ever made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, come on. Like, uh, come on now. It's mm, that yeah. movie's rapey. That movie's rapey in a different way. <laughs> Still has better music than Grease 2. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> Troy. And uh, Evita in 1996. So let's, yeah, I didn't even know he did a Vita. Yeah. So let's talk about the people in front of the camera. We're going to start with Michelle Pfeiffer as Stephanie. So a little bit about Michelle Pfeiffer with only a few television roles and a small film appearance. She was 23 at the time that she made this film and was relatively an unknown actress. Mm -hmm. And she attended the casting call edition for the role of Stephanie. Um, She beat out people like Lisa Hartman Christy McNichol, big Christy McNichol fan growing up. Yeah. Andrea McCarty and singer Pat Benatar. Pat Benatar was up for this role. Wow. Yeah. Pfeiffer was. Glad. Do what? I'm sorry. I'm kind of glad uh, McNichol uh, didn't get it, though, because that way she could do the pirate movie, which is also a favorite musical of mine. Again, s- superior to this film, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that one is so bad, but it's on a whole different level of. Oh atrocity oh. that it's it, it's it's at cat the the musical cats it's up there it's really good um so pfeiffer was was sort of the wild card choice but birch w- said she won the part because she had a quirky quality you don't expect now i know all of us are big michelle pfeiffer fans what about you tabitha i is, love michelle pfeiffer that's you, part of what i love about Grease too is michelle pfeiffer do you have a favorite uh, movie outside of Grease too um, I also liked her in Hairspray, the newer Hairspray, where she plays the oh, yeah. Yeah, mom. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
What about you, Sammy? What's your what's your favorite Michelle Pfeiffer role? Oh man, there's a lot, but I, I really love her in uh actually this kind of came up on Facebook today. Some folks were asking about favorite Valentine's kind of like romance movies, and I really like her and Al Pacino and Frankie and Johnny. Uh she's really good in that. It's just kind of tired, worn out, doesn't believe in love anymore. Yeah, Wait, that's a good movie too. Yeah, it is a good movie. Okay. Let me add one more. Uh Dangerous Minds, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. Really, says dangerous minds. Big surprise. Teacher. Big surprise. I was like, wait a minute. Yep. It's been a while since I've seen it. I forgot about it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, that came out of left field, David. I never thought you were going to pick dangerous minds. <laughs> I love that I say hairspray, and he's like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Brad? Well, a small film came out in 1992 called Batman Returns, which yeah. was a sexual awakening for young <laughs> nine-year-old brad anderson so michelle pfeiffer is the person who made me into a man and i appreciate that uh i can only shoot now when someone puts a bird in their mouth so you know whatever <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh i didn't expect it to go there yeah, yeah not at all I... the weather the weather is another <laughs> yeah. thing too yeah uh, yeah, so Michelle Pfeiffer played it, a very yeah. important role in my life. I should have I should have uh, had this timed better. Where does the pollen go? Yep. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, where does the pollen go? Apparently all over the leather. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> all over Tweety Bird. Yep. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> so, so it's interesting that Brad brings this up, though, because Grease 2, Stephanie Zanoni was huge for me maturing into a young male going through puberty and everything else. So we're kind of like weird Eskimo brothers, sort of like on sexual awakening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. We're like really weird. Like if there's a bird that lands between us, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's over. I did not ex- oh my God. I don't, sword I fight, gotta get that. Fight. I gotta get that image out of my head. Oh, <laughs> All right, bring it back. If if our pick, like my favorite, uh, probably I've got two roles I really like her in. Um, the Fabulous Baker Boys from 1989. Oh, yeah. She is so good in that. Uh, Batman Returns is good, but I also like Into the Night from 1985. Oh, yeah. I, I, I really like all of her stuff from the 80s. I've always liked her as an actress. Um, a movie that we'll probably talk about because I think it bombed, which she's in, and I really love Stardust from 2007. Ooh, I like Stardust yeah. a lot too. That's very, yep, yep. Yeah. She's a very picky actress. She doesn't just take on anything. She kind of picks and chooses what she does. Yeah, and it's, she's she's and always good. She chose Grease too. Really? <laughs> the film the film now is problematic. Uh, the Sean Penn I Am Sam movie, but I remember really liking uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in that one. But I don't know if you can go back and. Yeah. That, mm. Unfortunately, I don't have any sound clips from I Am Sam. But <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> Thank God, because the way this conversation's going, talk about being gotta, canceled instantaneously. <laughs> yeah, every time I see Sean Penn and I Am Sam, oh man, no, no. All right, moving on. Uh, let's talk about Maxwell Caulfield as uh, Michael. So this I thought was pretty interesting. So Timothy Hutton was announced as the male lead, but Maxwell Caulfield was cast after impressing producers off Broadway and entertaining Mr. Sloan. Side note, and I didn't know this, but Tom Cruise auditioned for the role as well, yeah. but Patricia Birch wanted somebody older and taller. Yeah. Taller. Wanted taller. He wanted taller. <laughs> Tom Cruise wanted, Tom Cruise was up and coming. He wanted two roles. He wanted that role, and he also wanted the uh, the Adrian Zamed role, Nagarelli. Oh, yeah. Ooh, okay. Boy, he dodged I could see Nagarelli much more than 
He kind of did Nogarelli in Outsiders, really. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going to say. He did. Uh, Caulfield was pretty much known for Broadway, right? So he had done yeah. The Elephant Man, Entertaining Mr. Sloan. And I think Alan Carr, after seeing his performance, offered Caulfield the role of Michael over a bunch of different applicants. Now, unlike Pfeiffer, Caulfield's career like just tanked after Grease 2, and, and he was super damaged because of the failure of the film. He had been quoted as saying, before Grease 2 came out, I was being hailed as the next Richard Gere or John Travolta. However, when Grease 2 flopped, nobody would touch me. It felt like a bucket of cold water had been thrown in my face. It took me 10 years to get over Grease 2. Mm -hmm. So well, also he and Michelle Pfeiffer apparently didn't get along very apparently he's a huge dick like in real life really full of himself like because he compared himself to John Travolta and yeah. Richard yeah. Gere yeah. I don't think this guy has an ego Hold I'm on. surprised he has a what <laughs> no he is a dick oh, oh, is, oh. Is. yeah okay, he is bad, bad. not oh boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, from what I understand, he, uh, especially during the younger years, he was definitely, during his heartthrob years, quote-unquote, he was a very difficult person to work with. Oh. I think Michelle Pfeiffer said that he liked looking at himself. He was self-important, I think, is what I read. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see that. Yeah. I mean, after Grease 2, he did the, uh, the what, uh, Powers of Matthew Starr, 1983, a TV series. He did an episode of that. Yeah, I remember that show. Um, Electric Dreams in 84. He did The Boys Next Door in 1985. That was with uh, Charlie Sheen. Yeah, that's not bad. That's pretty yeah, good. Charlie yeah, Charlie Sheen. That's not yep. bad. And I think a lot of people know him from Empire Records in 95, Rex Manning. Um, oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But uh, it's obvious yeah, that, after Grease, yep. nothing. That but, was his comeback role. That was his. That was supposed to be his comeback, but it didn't. It really didn't pan out for him. I, I think he's just incredibly difficult, man. I think he's just one of those guys that behind the scenes just... Yeah. If you see interviews with him, it comes off um, as very snooty. Yeah. So uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, right after Grease came out, hit it big with Scarface. So her star just kept rising and obviously made a lot of classics, but he just never came out of it. And um, to be quite honest, I'm okay with that. I, I think he's kind of terrible. <laughs> but he's so pretty. No. He is like, he's like your dreamboat kind of 1980s like dreamboat. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, he's a good looking. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he's not a good looking guy. He's a good looking guy. I can't. No. Yeah. No. Nah, yeah. He's a good. No, he's. Dude. Yeah. He's definitely a good looking dude. No, I kept I saying he had RBF the whole time. It he has like, resting not, bitch face the entire thing. No, he tries to smolder and it comes off as RBF. It comes off as smolder. It's RBF. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Uh, I'm going to blast through this. So we got the T-Birds, Adrian Zemed as Johnny, Christopher McDonald as Goose. And I think this is one of um, Christopher McDonald's first starring roles. We're not starring, but first film roles, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, he's one of the few who came out of this. Uh, well, I mean, he's he continues to work today, right? I mean, Adam Sandler uses him a lot. Yeah. I mean, Shooter McGavin, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, he... He was in Ghost. I think he's the villain in Ghost as well. Is that right? Uh, I think that's Tony Gold. Tony yeah, Gold. Oh, Tony Goldman. Okay. Yeah. I get him confused. Yeah, they're um, kind of similar in a way, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I remember where I, Christopher McDonald did the Midnight Run sequels, the made-for-TV stuff. Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That. That's what – all right. So we got Peter, Peter Frischette as Louis DeMucci and Your Leif favorite. Green as Davy Jaworski. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. The Pink Ladies, Maureen Teffy as Sharon, 
I want to go back to that uh, last name that I could pronounce, Finkelman. <laughs> these are Troy's reading these names like the first day of school teacher. Oh, like. my God. Yeah. Uh, it's Brad. I go by Brad. Thank you. A-A-Ron. You done messed up, A-A-Ron. Lauren Luft is Paulette. Allison Price is Rhonda Ritter. And Pamela Siegel is Dolores. Yeah. And uh, Pamela Siegel, she still works. Uh, Lauren, Lorna Luff, that's uh, Judy Garland's daughter. That's one of Judy Garland's daughters. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. Now, there are some returning actors and actresses from the original Greece. We got Didi Khan as Frenchie, Eve oh. Arden as Principal McGee. Uh, this was Arden's final theatrical role, I think, hmm. um, according to the notes. Sid Caesar returns as Coach Vince Calhoun, Dottie Goodman as Secretary Blanche. Eddie Deason as Eugene Felsnick, and Dennis C. Stewart as Leo Balmuda, Crater Face. You know, you know how Eddie is a nerd? Yeah. Because his name is Eugene. His name's Eugene. <laughs> automatically named. He's yeah. a nerd. So. Wears, wears glasses, and his name is Eugene. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And Dennis, he talks like the kid from Polar Express. <laughs> yeah. And just for clarification, everybody will remember Dennis. So he's the villain in this film, but he, he was also the villain of the original Grease. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's, okay. the, he's the guy. I always thought it was interesting that he just keeps hanging around this <laughs> yeah. high school, starting trouble. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> a 47 he year old man. Why are you hanging around this high school? Like somebody like, get this future criminal out of here. Yeah. Like the Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The girls just say the same age. Yeah. 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 Or, so he gets older. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's creepy. God, uh -huh. this movie creeps me out. <laughs> so Jose. He's more like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Jose gave us a couple of uh, credits. So the, I'm going to credit this next one to Jose because he pointed this out. The Psycho Lords in Greece 2, all of them are stuntmen and famous stunt coordinators. Freddie Heiss, Gary Himes, Richard Epper, Scott Wilder, Steve Davison. For example, Gary Himes was the stunt coordinator for Speed and Power Rangers, and Steve Davison was a stunt coordinator for The Long Kiss Goodnight. So apparently all the guys doing the the um, stunt work on the motorcycles, uh, pretty important Hollywood guys right there. There are some stories about the production and development. I just want to share some of this, right? This is super interesting. So Grease- done with the cast? I just want to make sure because there's a couple other ones in here. Oh, go ahead, man. I should have just had you do this because out of out of your entire uh, yeah. whole podcasting career, you know everybody that's in every film and can do this whole six degrees of yeah. John Travolta. Tom, Vill Tom Villard's in here. Tom Villard was a character actor. He did quite a bit of stuff. Uh, he's probably mostly known as like the bad guy in Popcorn. Oh, yeah. Oh, he does that song, that really horrible song during the... Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. So does the. Oh, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. During reproduction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Andy Tennant's in here, who went on to direct films like Fools Rush In and Ever After and things like that. Huh. Uh, Lucinda Dickey, who a lot of people might know from Ninja Three: The Domination. Yes. She's the one that's always with the twins. She's the lead. Yeah. Yeah. She's. And Ninja Three. <laughs> yeah. She's always with the two twin girls. I know uh, she went on. She went on to make a much better film, Ninja Three: The Domination, <laughs> and and the Breaking movie. Breaking and Breaking Breaking Two: movies. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Okay. Wait, guys, we have to. What? <laughs> if we're if we're talking about like crushes, yeah, Lucinda Dickey did it for me in Ninja Three: The Domination. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can't deny that. I can't deny that. I've never looked at V8 the same way. Yeah, V8. Yeah, I can't. I can't drink tomato juice anymore. <laughs> 
But I mean, th- those are just some of the actors that are they're trying to kind of break into the into the roles uh, or into the Hollywood here. And yeah. I think that's kind of interesting. And, you know, one of them turned out to be a director, Andy Tennant. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of folks in here. I, th- those are the notable ones. I think you'd have to go really deep. Some of the ones, but I just kind of wanted to get those out there. No, that's me. that's a great call out, man. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk about how this thing got made. So co-producer Alan Carr had a deal with Paramount Pictures. So the reason why this thing got made he was going to get $5 million to produce a sequel, but the production had to be within three years of the original film. So Carr decided to hire Patricia Birch as the director for the sequel. And she remember was previously the choreographer for the stage and film versions of Greece. So Birch was initially hesitant to accept the offer after learning that neither composers, Jim Jacobs and Warren Casey, nor John Travolta and Olivia Newton, John would be involved in the film. Bronte Woodward, the writer who adapted the original stage material for the original film, had died in 1980, and Canadian comic Ken Finkelman, now he was also writing and directing Airplane 2 at the same time Grease 2 was being made, was tasked with penning a new script mostly from scratch. And the total budget, you talked about this, Brad, went up to $11 million, almost double the budget of the original. Grease 2 was intended to be the second film and first sequel in a proposed Grease franchise of four films. Quadrilogy. Quadrilogy and a television series. Okay, so the third and fourth films were to take place in the 60s and during the counterculture era. However, the projects were scrapped due to the underwhelming box office performance of Grease 2. So Grease 2 killed the franchise, right? Yeah. Um, and, And I thought this was interesting. So apparently the original title was called Son of Grease. And yeah. they changed it to Grease 2, and Maxwell Caulfield wasn't happy with that title, tried to fight for it back, and they said, shut up, go take your RBF and get out of here. <laughs> Jesus. And, and some of those other Grease, that, that other script, I think, eventually became High School Musical, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So uh, also, do you have the story where the they basically didn't have the script after the first act? Yeah, I, so we'll talk about this, but one of the things is, you know, Finkelman obviously is doing his airplane too, but they go into this with really not having a finished script, uh, and they were putting things together kind of during the middle of the filming all the way to the end. Uh, and even when they were done with production, I mean, this thing wrapped in like probably February or March, and it was out the door three months later. So it was a rush production, and if you think about it, it really was the intent of it was just to cash on that initial contract that just said if you make it within three years, you get five million dollars. So they did it, rushed it out there, and um, they were kind of making it up as they went along, which is super yeah, interesting. Which is like there's a lot of plot lines of this movie that get introduced and then nothing ever happens. <laughs> yep, and yep. we'll talk about those. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was nominated for a Stinkers Bad Movie Award for Worst Picture. Later on, the Stinkers would unveil their picks for the 100 worst films of the 20th century with their 100 years, 100 Stinkers list. Greece landed at the number 13 spot. It is the 13th worst film. According in- to them. You According to science, this was science. This is a scientific <laughs> mathematical science. study. Uh-huh. The numbers don't lie, sister. Uh, and I, I thought this was super interesting. I had to show Tabitha uh, like five minutes. She only lasted five minutes of this. But the film's screenplay was adapted in a South India feature film called Premaloka 
released in 1987, which went on to become a major Bollywood blockbuster. Like it was huge in 87 over there. And you can see the entire film on YouTube. There's a couple of songs that you can check out there. Five minutes. It's fantastic. I, I just, the five minutes I saw it was better than this. However, Not even close. it's like five. two and a half hours long. So yeah. <laughs> it's a Bollywood. Yeah. We heard you. It's a Bollywood film. Yeah, it's a Bollywood he loves film. Bollywood. I hate Bollywood. Uh, <laughs> We're not going to make it to 25 if you keep going. Sheesh. <laughs> 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 I see those stair, the, the stairs yeah. uh, behind He's you. About to fall you down. Those <laughs> where I fall down accidentally yeah. and I'm told, yeah. you know, yeah, don't call that 800 number. About it. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. uh, yeah. Uh, any, any other interesting stories? I know you did some research on this, Brad. Anything else you want to share? Not really. Just about how, I mean, the, the script was basically unfinished and the guy was doing airplane two at the same time is like, yeah, they're basically the same movie. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, from what I understand, this thing gets done. Alan Carr was definitely a high concept guy. I mean, can't stop the music is essentially just uh, a, a village people movie. Yeah. Which yeah. Uh, we actually reviewed on the, the GGTMC show. It's a totally ridiculous movie. Um, most of his films are in a lot of ways. And this is just kind of given to him as kind of a, you know, go for it. They figure it's going to go, it's going to, it's going to gather a lot of box office just on the name itself. But again, it's released at a time when I think movie audiences are changing too. Yeah. No, it's it, early eighties. We talked about this when I think we were talking about cats because cats, the Broadway play came out in 81 and I'm trying to go back a week in my head. So musicals in the eighties were extremely, I think, uh, going through a transition, they're they're a little bit weird. I mean, you get stuff like Xanity, right? So yeah. um, high concept musicals, and some of them worked, some of them didn't. But I'm I'm really curious to get into this. So I've been, I've, I've really been dying as, as soon as I found out, Sammy, you were going to be on, and Tabitha agreed to stay up past her bedtime and talk about this film reluctantly. <laughs> reluctantly, she was she was snoring hard right before we started i was already talking in my sleep she was talking in her sleep i almost recorded it um, you weren't excited to talk to talk to me <laughs> she, Always. No. She, you gotta understand it's, like seven o'clock whatever rolls. you do don't chirp like a bird <laughs> yeah, yeah don't um i'm gonna start with you Tabitha. this is your pick this okay. is this is your show we, we did this all because of you um, what it, I just, you, you've watched Greece like a gazillion times. You had to watch it again, right after watching the original Greece with me. Mm -hmm. So what was your experience again, watching it? Why do you love this film so much? I think angel put it best that it's very nostalgic. Like I, it's a lot of nostalgia. Like I love all the music. If I know a song, I'm singing the song. And of course I love musicals for that reason. It just makes me happy. And I love the songs in this. I love Michelle Pfeiffer. She's gorgeous. I love Michael. He's gorgeous. I'm very, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of the word. It's not narcissist, but I, I don't know. I just thought as a kid, I thought they were just beautiful people and I could stare at them for two hours and I have no problem with that. I'm on the microphone. You got to talk into the microphone. <laughs> but yeah, so I just like, I just enjoy it. I, it's one of those guilty pleasures that I didn't think I should feel guilty about until you all were trashing it. <laughs> I, I have trashed it from day one. So in my defense, you I'm, trash everything that's not hitting somebody in the face. Oh my God. I don't know. I just really in, just enjoy it. Like I know it's a ridiculous movie, just the same way I know Pest is a ridiculous movie, but I just enjoy it. Okay. 
All right. Well, Sammy, uh, you begged to, to come on the show, talk about Greece too. Is this a nostalgia thing for you as well? I would say part of it is nostalgia, but I think for me, it's the, it's the high school fantasy element. I think, uh, I've always, I think it's part of the John Hughes generation that I come from. I don't love John Hughes films as much as some people. I like them a lot, but I don't, I don't, they, they're not the be all end all for me. Uh, and also, by the way, they are very rapey. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff so, in the 80s. Uh, so so yeah. that's the thing we need to talk about. Our generation, right? we grew up during a very, in hindsight, problematic time for teenage movies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, stuff like teenage Porky's. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Nerds. It was all, nerds it was, yeah. Porky's is incredibly uh, gross in hindsight. Uh, it's I still like watching it. Right. I can right. still separate myself from that. But I think, you know, I can remember being in high school and I can remember it was very important to me to score tonight. <laughs> You're talking uh, about bowling, right? It was very important for you to go yeah. bowling. Yeah, very important for somebody to rub my balls. What? I'm talking about bowling balls. This is where, I have, bowling, to, yes, those, bowling. This is right. where I have to excuse myself. <laughs> Those 10 pound or 12 pound balls, <laughs> 10 pounds still mm-hmm. causes many. I still get a handicap sticker for that. <laughs> the, uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, no, but I mean that high school fantasy, that, that idea of the guy going for the girl that he can't have, or even the girl going for the guy she can't have. I think there's something kind of almost fairy tale quality about that, that American cinema has created. And I always enjoyed those kind of tropes. And uh, even though I don't like Maxwell Caulfield as much as much in this film as as Tabs does, and that's mostly because he doesn't really, I mean, obviously he doesn't do anything for me. I do think he's a good looking guy, but he's he's very dry for me in the movie. But Michelle Pfeiffer's character just oozes this primal sexuality and this I can't have it. There's this this unreachable element to her, almost like this princess type weird this you know and she works on cars she <laughs> she she looks great she chews gum like an animal i mean come oh my on god. <laughs> four pieces of gum in her mouth at one time like yeah how, oh my the, god the scene in reproduction that song number when she's just standing up above everybody and just kind of smirking and smiling and chewing gum oh it gets me every time it gets me every time <laughs> but i think that's what it is for me because I enjoyed those. I like weird, weird science. Let's take weird science. For example, you got two prepubescent boys trying to create a sex doll, a sex object. It couldn't get much more gross than that, but there's a, there's an innocence to that as well, because whether we want to admit it or not, we're, we, we have these weird thoughts when we reach puberty, right? We have these really weird thoughts. They come out of nowhere. And I think the grease movies kind of nail that. That's why they work for me. Okay. I agree wholeheartedly. I've always loved the whole high school romance love stories. Always. Yeah. All right. I think uh, there's also an element to it that in high school, you feel like this is it. Like mm-hmm. this is going to be the relationship. This is it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then it usually isn't. You're like, oh, it's over. Everything's <laughs> over. My life is over. Yeah. And then you end up looking at pictures of birds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. It, hel- it helps. Okay. Well, Brad, you had never seen this film before, right? I had seen parts of it before, but never like all the way through. That's just weird. Um, 
That's a first. So Natalie didn't even doesn't watch this on. No, regular she does rotation. not like this movie. She likes Grease <laughs> one a lot. She does not like the second one. OK, because um, I even told her, I was like, hey, I want to watch Grease two. She's like, no, thank you. No. <laughs> that's that's why we're married. That's kind of what um, I said about cats. But Troy made yeah, me. <laughs> yeah. But did you did you appreciate watching cats? It's a one and done, but I appreciated the one. <laughs> there you go. And I'll kind of echo what Sammy said. Like to me, like the 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 teenage culture in high school being the most important thing in the entire world. Like when I was a freshman, I thought the next four years of my life were the four most important years of my life. Period. And I think this kind of captures that. Um, now, I wasn't played by a thirty-seven-year-old man, <laughs> so you know that might be something, but. It, this doesn't do a very good job because like Michelle Pfeiffer should be the main character of this movie. Like she is the most like stunning person. Like when you see her on camera, you're like, okay, I just want to focus on Michelle Pfeiffer's character period. Yeah. This other guy is not great. Uh, he's wearing a helmet most of the time and, and goggles. And you're like, okay, the story um, that we have to believe is she doesn't recognize him because he's wearing a helmet and goggles, but we can still see 75% of his Don't face. start that with me. We yeah. had this okay. big debate. I mean, I he, like, does that, he does that. He does that voice where he goes, excuse me, miss. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, um, yeah. Batman, Superman, Clark Kent has glasses. All of those. And yeah. you're sitting here going, how does she not recognize him? <laughs> <laughs> the others had a cow. Well, yeah, he's not a superhero. So yeah. Um, oh, he's our superhero. <laughs> I was so, and I guess I was not an '80s kid. I was a '90s kid. So the horniness of the '80s is something I find just like spectacularly fascinating because yeah. it's something that's just because you guys like, weren't horny in the '90s at all. Well, yes, but like all of the films in the '80s are literally about <laughs> losing your virginity and how important losing your virginity is. Yeah. Um, again, like we had American Pie, and then we had that turn into like super bad. But literally every movie in the eighties is like, "Hey, I need to get my dick wet, and it needs to happen <laughs> right now." And like, <laughs> it's all about that. That's like every yeah. so, you know, s watching this and seeing how just horny this movie is. Like, it is the horniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, the pollen song, the reproduction song is something I will never, ever forget. It has scarred me. And I, for some reason, keep saying reproduction. Like I was just sitting around the house today talking about that stupid it's song. That's your pistol right here. Yep. yep. Oh my God. Um, oh, it's so funny. But, but to me, to me, Grease 2 is literally, it, it, it comes down to the guy who is 14 years old. He, has told you, Hey, I have slept with a girl before. And you're like, no way you definitely haven't. And all they talk about is sex, sex and sex. And you're like, okay, dude, I get it. Right. I get it. You you're lying to everyone saying you're not a virgin anymore, but we know you are, but you yeah. just want to keep talking about sex. That's grease too. And the songs are not very good. <laughs> like to be honest with uh, you, like they don't lie. They, oh, we'll, they we'll, aren't, we'll talk about the songs in, they in don't a minute. Develop, yeah. Like, so I, I know a much, about Greece is like the the songs like do stuff and it it helps you to understand where you are in the story and what's going on and introduces characters. This is just like, hey, let's get down and have sex right now. 
this bowling metaphor. Like we're not even going to do like that. We're in a bowling alley, but we might as well just being like, Hey, watch these two people banging out for a bit. Like <laughs> It's not even like, that's a big chunk of nineties hip hop though. That's my genre. <laughs> yeah. hey, and, a, and a big chunk of eighties hair metal. I mean, okay. you know, the th- interesting thing is, and Troy, and again, I, I know how old Brad is. I know how old Troy is. I never asked your age tabs. I'm not going to do that here. I've never asked. She's 27. Yeah, I'm going I'm to assume, assume she's within uh, Troy and I's realm, though. She, she is. And, yeah. Okay. Ish. So the oh interesting God. thing about this, uh, about the mid 70s on into about the mid 80s is how like plastered with sex comedies we were as a generation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there's great films in there. Fast mm-hmm. Times of Rich Mahai is a masterpiece, no doubt about it. It's troublesome uh, if you look at it in certain lights, but you got to remember the time. You can't judge anything in hindsight. So, But I always find it fascinating looking at these things uh, and going back. There's a lot of nostalgia, and I wonder, what were my parents thinking <laughs> taking me to these movies? They were taking me to this. I saw My Tutor. I saw Private Lessons. These are movies about kids having sex with adults. It's what is going on? <laughs> honestly, I, I was thinking about this the other day too. I don't. I, I I think it's very easy to say from a media standpoint, we were just bombarded with sex comedies and everything else in the eighties. But when you take a step back and go, okay, film is not the primary source of storytelling anymore. It really is short videos, YouTube, Instagram, yeah. TikTok, everything else. And you can't go on Instagram without somebody showing their boobs or something else. I mean, what you been doing oh, really? on like, TikTok? What, like, what? It's cat videos and boobs. That's all I get okay. in my feed. What is Instagram account you following? Can you text me some of those things? <laughs> I was like, who are you all, following? All, it's all like, I got, but I'm saying yeah. every influencer. All I got is these damn bird videos. <laughs> <laughs> but everything within social media or whatever, it's sex sells. And it's, it's, it's sex sells within all social media. It's on your Netflix shows, everything else. I mean, I don't think, I, I can't sit here and say 80s were any worse than it is now. It's just, it was in film and yeah. that's it. It wasn't it was in our, TV shows and everything else. Yeah, it was our primary form of entertainment. It was a primary. Now it's permeated all of social media. It's perme- permeated all these TV shows and everything else. Well, think so, about video games when they play online video mm-hmm. games. There's a thing called teabagging. Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's permeated everything in culture. My yep. son, I, and I don't, he's in the other room. <laughs> and I'm going through all this right now. I'm going through all this inappropriate behavior. Yeah. It's starting and it's uncomfortable and it's awkward. I mean, but we, then I got to remember I was, I was him once. Yeah. We've talked Japanimation and, and even video games and the hyper stylized, you know, female characters and everything. So was all, there anything going on like in the early late 80 or late seventies, early eighties that like turned up the sex a bunch? It's, it's always it, been there. I think it's just cocaine was. The- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's even if you go back and Sammy could probably talk about this a little bit more just because um, if you were to go back and listen to the gentleman's guide to midnight cinema, one of the things I realized <laughs> is. If you think about films like 60s on 70s, they were there. They're they're your grindhouse stuff. I'm not talking about your uh, your grindhouse. I'm talking about main like these were mainstream oh. films that were But I think it that that started seeping into the general film yeah. audience. I have a theory that the 70s were the me decade. They were the free sex decade really. That was the decade everybody was getting busy, get crazy. And then they shut it down. Diseases started kicking yeah, up. AIDS. Drugs, AIDS, obviously in the early 80s. And I think they moved it all to 
fantasy and these rompy films because it was it was just pure fantasy. Yeah. It allowed us to still have this lack of um, responsibility. Um, and uh, it, it I mean, if you go back and look at I mean, some of the films that are I mean, man, there's things in Porky's that I don't know if I ever want my son to see. And uh, some of those films that we watched growing up, I used to watch those things on repeat. Now, Grease 2 isn't that level, but Whoa. Well. it is. Well, <laughs> I'll let Troy talk his theory in a second, but it is about and I and we should say this. I don't know how Troy feels about it. And I don't know how Brad feels about it. And I don't know how Tabs feels about it, but I think this is equally as male centric towards sex as it is. I think it is female as well. I think the females here are also equally as horny as yep. the boys are yeah and that's why i was <laughs> and that's why you like it isn't it <laughs> but yeah. um i mean I'll, fyi we just saw jackass this weekend and that was an eyeful for an hour and a half it was very <laughs> overwhelming and we took our son to it and i was like this is bad parenting right here <laughs> like I I think it was good parenting. Although Tabitha, I after was the movie, gagging <laughs> during the movie, I had to shield my eyes a few times. It was it was a lot. What What did you say after it was over? I don't even remember. You You it don't want to see balls again for? I, yeah, I was like, I don't want to see oh! penis and balls for the next twenty years. Like I'm done. Did you see the Did you see the guys nutsack in this movie? What What? There's a nutsack in this movie. No, there's it, what it, they're they're when they are running track in this movie oh, about 13 okay. minutes into the movie, a guy's balls come out of right. his shorts. I'm going no, back to that. look at this. Yes. How many times have you seen? <laughs> <Sammy> <laughs> yeah. <and> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brad. Clearly, clearly, clearly Brad has watched this in much more detail. Than <laughs> I mean, <laughs> for his first time watching it, <laughs> so I got slow that. Motion. I got the six cents when there's testicles on camera. I'm like, ah, birds this and balls. Huh? This and Teen Wolf. I'm like, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Only one thing to say is that an enigma. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, you'll see the guy's pollen tube, but you see his, his yeah. testicles. So pollen tube. I got your pistol right here. Uh, well, um, I, I will full disclosure. So I love Greece so much, and and I've watched it so many times. I love the music to it. I love how it's made, and I think it's just really, really good filmmaking. Yeah, it's a pop culture phenomenon. It is, but it is. from from a musical standpoint, like if if you were to kind of pick some of the best musicals out there that are executed at just this level of perfection, Greece, in my opinion, would be there in in that conversation. Um, so Greece two, and I know one of the reasons why I didn't like it initially when I first saw it was there some things that I just couldn't get out of my head when I watched it and can never. Um, it, it's one of those films, it, it's like a you watch direct-to-video action films and you go, okay, they're just ripping off this other more popular mainstream film. But if you can check your brain at the door and just go along with it, all the lethal weapon clones and everything else, you can have a pretty good time with it. I should be able to do that with Grease 2. I can't. And and I, it, I've been racking my brain, like if you have to articulate why it is you don't like it, I think it comes down to a couple things. So from that very first dance sequence, for me, I feel like you're watching this generic sort of always save Dollar General version of Greece. I mean, it, it just feels like a cheap clone of the first film. It, it's sort of the Walmart brand that tries to compete with the more recognized name brand stuff. I, I get that feeling right out of the gate. And it really reminds me of those uh, Asian movie posters when they're 
creating them for American films that they're trying to bootleg. And they're trying to sell these American films. They do those insane images that are drawn by like third graders. And you're like, well, that is terrible. This looks, this looks like nothing that I'm going to watch, but it's supposed to represent that. That's what this film is. And I should, and it's called like super happy fun time. Yeah. And, and you go, well, Nicholas cage doesn't look like that. He doesn't have three eyes and, and a buck tooth, but you go, well, I should like this. Right. Um, but there's, there's two talking to my cousin or something. (laughs) I don't know. There's always two things that get in the way of my enjoyment. So I I really want to enjoy it because if it's a bad film, but it's the, the element of the music and how it's incorporated into the film that really messes with me. And I've, I've been trying to look for the technical term for this. And I, and I finally found it this week. So do you guys know the difference between, diegetic and non-diegetic sounds oh lord okay is this a scientology thing no 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 it's an sat question yeah diegetic so i'll explain it this way he's bringing science into this (laughs) (laughs) so tom cruise said um (laughs) diegetic is is sound that can be heard by the characters on the screen so everybody knows that the music is playing and they're interacting with the sound okay so in a musical, a diegetic number is like somebody singing, the music is happening, and the entire cast is like involved into it, okay? Non-diegetic sound is sound that can't be heard by the characters on the screen. So for example, like narration or background music, that's non-diegetic. So the characters in the film don't know that stuff's going on. Or like Luke Skywalker's not hearing John Williams just banging Correct. out for yeah. a bit. Gr- yep. Great example. Okay. So what I have a problem with, and this starts right out of the gate, the film doesn't understand this concept of diegetic and non-diegetic within its music. And the songs go back and forth between these two concepts. And, and it's very muddy and it gets really confusing. And so it takes you out of the film or it takes me out of the film and I'm sitting there watching people lip sync. Then they stop lip syncing and they start acting like the music's not going on. Then they go back into lip syncing again. And then they have full on conversations during the song. Yeah. And, and at some point you go, well, who's singing? Who's, who's not singing? Where's the music coming from? And then they start interacting with the music. And I find that just very, uh, it's like a jolt, right? And so you start trying to figure out what's going on with the music versus trying to pay attention or have fun with that sequence. So that that's the that's the thing that really just gets on my nerves during this film over and over and over again. And if you watch Grease, which we did right before, it is a perfect example of how you move between diegetic and non-diegetic because when they are singing, when they're dancing, it's part of the world like everything is going on and then they easily move back into the dialogue and everything else before they go back into the diegetic music and the dance sequences, et cetera, they're, uh, I think, I don't know if you said it earlier, Tabitha, I mean, the, or Brad, the, the music means something in Greece, like every song means something. And even when you get a dance sequence, I mean, it's knock your socks off dance sequence that actually, uh, pertains to the plot of the film, like the hand jive sequence in Greece, which is mostly, you know, them dancing to a band that is phenomenal. It's like some of the best dance sequences you'll see in a musical. So that's the first thing that annoys the crap out of me. The second thing is that the songs in this film don't matter in the context of the story at all. It's music about teens being horny and trying to get laid. And that should be fun. 
It but is. the problem <laughs> is you still got that first thing out there, whereas they don't know how to film a musical correctly. And so you're always trying to guess, well, where's the music coming from a song? But I thought it would be fun to go through the songs and critique them Ooh. because I, I, I also have a quick question. Yeah. Are you sure you're not just too high strung? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't are, pay attention to any of that and I just enjoy it. Yeah, I will. I will say for the record, I must be non or, or diegetic or something. I'm. I'm. A, I might. I might have type two diegetics. <laughs> because I really. I really. God, the insulin cost for that is so. Much right yeah, it's now. really expensive yeah. right now. Got to buy some of that Travolta. The, the truth is, I like it when characters talk during a song. I like it in a musical when the song's going on, narrative is moving, song comes back. What I like least in a musical is when a musical is only a musical. Like, I was going to watch Cats, and then I heard you guys talk about it, and I'm like, I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> like, that you kind of have to see Cats. But, but, Gre yeah. but Grease is a good example of you've got it going back and forth. But the, the very first song, well, let's start here. Back to School. Okay. It's the first back song. Back to School. Yeah. It's got diegetic and non-diegetic issues all through the thing. And it's not coming down to when they break for a second and you're they're talking like the t-birds are talking how'd your summer go what's going on the pink ladies it's not that portion it's even when the music starts and somebody's singing back to school but nobody's singing and you're like well who the hell's singing that and then at some point everybody starts singing and they're just lip syncing so you you don't know what's going on who's singing who's supposed to be singing uh and then they in, they intersperse all this dialogue so Can you imagine how many man hours went into to to choreographing all that dance over the summer, right? Because it's the first day of school, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're coming back. <laughs> you're like, hey, over the summer, we gotta get together. We gotta get. We gotta knock the. We gotta go back to school at to practice. Before that bell yeah. rings, we're gonna knock it out of the park with this number. Yeah, what's that? What's that dancing call where people just show up at like a mall and flash do a mob. Yeah, flash mob. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was well before that, but yeah. it is interesting because Greece opens with animated and a Frankie Valley song. Yeah, and by it's Andy, a great uh, song too, written by Barry Gibb, right? Uh -huh. Which is a great song. I agree. I think this song is equally great. No, no. Yeah, I, I think the Four Tops do a great job with this song. I like this song. I think it's got great dialogue. I think it says a lot about. If you listen to the lyrics, I think it says a lot about the whole movie. In that in that first song, I think Brad's having an aneurysm. <laughs> I can't. The problem I have with that is like that Betty Boop Frenchie girl talking about how could you, you know going going to failing out of high school and then coming back yeah. and then this yeah. and that. I'm like, why are you having a conversation? And all this other music is going on. Like they're I, explaining I, I, her just, role real quick. Yeah, it's like okay, we got to introduce this character through dialogue real quick, and then I can explain it completely. Movie. I can totally explain it. She was in the first Grease. I know <laughs> she already knows this happens. Right now, like, this everybody is, just sings. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to day one of school. <laughs> so, this is three years after the original Grease. Like, so these people oh, who the were, fuck knows? I don't know. I, I were, thought were like I thought it was in the eighties in high school, right, or whatever. So okay, four okay. years. I believe Greece is 1978. I don't think they let. I this think is once 61. you get past 21, they don't let you. Oh, you're talking school. about the years in the in the <laughs> in actual the, film. In yeah, the, in the yeah. film. I pay, I pay oh, no gotcha. attention to that. Oh, okay. All right, bowling alley song is next. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. So score tonight, right? <laughs> That's the name of the song because it's bowling, but it's about getting laid. Get it? So scoring. Yeah, um. Nice. So okay, I'll give you this, Sammy. Back to school sets up the plot, and and I agree with you 100. The lyrics and everything else tell you what is going to happen or what the movie's about. I get it. I think the execution of it is annoying as hell. 
Okay. But if I, 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 if I Troy, just listen. By comparison, though, by comparison, mm-hmm. the music in this is much better than Cats. Uh, except for the Jennifer Hudson stuff. Okay. Yeah. 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 Memory. Have, uh, yeah. I, I don't think yeah, anybody okay. in this movie can sing like Jennifer Hudson can sing, period. Yeah. But, no, 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 I agree. I agree. I will say I'm going to give some credit to Patricia Birch, too, because I think that whole choreographed sequence, I think all that dance and everything else with that massive amount of people, mm-hmm. I still think it's very well done. It's it's not great. But yeah, it's it's, it's the always good. save version. It's not Greece, man. I'll but well, no, yeah, it's the same feel. Well, no, it for doesn't. Me, for me, for me, okay. Greece. Every time I think about <laughs> Greece, it, it's encapsulated by the one moment in Greece when John Travolta and his group, uh, when they're doing the shoot a bop bop moment, mm-hmm. and yeah. they're going across the bleachers. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. campy, but it's also very cool and amazing, all at the same time, and it encapsulates almost the whole feel of Greece to me. I don't know if there's any moment like that in this film, but we'll get to it. Let's go to these songs. No, no, no. But so bowling that you get dance sequences where they're sliding down the bowling alley and flipping on trampolines that are supposed to be there, I yeah. guess. Like that's the flippy parts. I always have problems with trampolines that are, aren't supposed to be there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can think probably a trampoline in a bowling alley might be the worst idea. Yeah, could be. Would be. Would be interesting. Yeah. I'm thinking y'all just got to relax and enjoy. Especially with Sandy's 12 pound, <laughs> 10 pound balls going around everywhere. Yeah. I, I will say this watching the film uh, next to Tabitha, it's like having the speaker right next to you because she's, you know, reciting it. And then as soon as the music comes on, she's singing every lyric of let's score tonight uh, and just doing the dance moves in her. So for her, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's she's dancing. Music. Music. Like yeah. I just oh, love is the, the music. I'm sorry, Tabs. Go ahead. No, you're quite. I'm just like, I just love to sing music. I think I was on stage in a previous life. I can't carry a tune now, but I still do it anyway. So let me let me ask the question as we're talking about these. Yeah. Do you think, even if the songs aren't great, do you think the folks performing the songs do a good job? I don't because sometimes I don't know if they're actually singing the song. I know those are all their actual voices. I know Adrian Zamed. Okay. He, he's a good singer. Uh, Lorna Luft obviously is a garland, so she can sing. That's her yeah, actual yeah. voice. Everybody's actually singing. That th- okay. those are actually their voices. That's Maxwell Caulfield. Unfortunately, he's probably the worst singer in the thing. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's a close race when we talk about worst, honestly. But uh, oh, really? Uh, I want to know who's worse. Yeah, who's worse? Who we got? Um, we'll we'll get we'll get we'll get a, there. That has a focus song. That has a focus song. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not talking about like the fourth T bird who says, right. <laughs> you know, who's that guy? You know, I mean, uh, it's the guy who did do it for our country. Oh, come on now. That's a, he's, that's a, that's some pretty good singing. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, that's some pretty good With singing. East coast accent. That guy kind of reminded me of Brad a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> what do you not, think? Not, not, in his mo- not in his motives. But, okay. uh, <laughs> do you think everybody like just knocks I, it out of the ballpark? I they're... love them all. Like I don't know what you're hating on. <laughs> <laughs> but Cool Rider is my all-time favorite. All right, well, let, let's get there. So Cool Rider, uh, I think, I, here's my theory. I actually think Cool Rider is the one really good song in this film, and it doesn't do a bad job of breaking the musical rules that all the other songs are doing. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a really key component to the story. Right. Like the narrative really takes off right here. I think cool writer is, uh, the diamond in the rough of this film, especially think, when Michelle Pfeiffer gets on top of that ladder. Yeah, that, that didn't hurt. Um, and I, I, I my theory is this song's so good. And when everybody talks about Greece too, they go to cool writer 
And uh, I think my daughter solidified this because she was coming in and out of the uh, the theater when we were watching it. And she she goes, oh, did I miss Cool Rider? And it's like, yep, you miss Cool Rider. So she's coming in and to, when all these other songs are playing and she made the comment like, hey, mom, I, I think this movie's terrible except for a couple of the good songs. Yeah, she was mad she missed the two songs that she wanted to hear. And then she watched some of the rest of it and she was like, mm, it's not as good if you don't have these songs in it. Yeah, and I think Cool Rider is the song of the film. So to, cool to, your, to your point, yeah. Sammy, Michelle Pfeiffer nails that song. Yes, Cool Rider is the... It is the female perspective of the fantasy element. Right. Yep. It is. It is the moment in the film where you buy in now to the Stephanie Zanoni fantasy. So that is the narrative hook, really. Well, my problem. Go ahead. My problem with it is out of all the characters in this movie, Michelle Pfeiffer's character is probably the one that should be riding a motorcycle. She has access and it seems like she would be able to do it. So why does she need someone else to like take her on a motorcycle ride? She's perfectly capable of doing it. I mean, she works for the, on the gas station. She looks like she could knows how to ride a motorcycle. What I do love about this movie, and I didn't get to, I forgot to mention this earlier, is comparing it to Grease. I always had an issue with Grease one at the end that the girl had to change for the guy. I know he tried he to change. I know for, he got his for letters. Half a second, he wore a sweater. So. Oh my God. <laughs> Did you not see all the track that he had to go? And I saw 30 seconds of him running on a track. And that oh was my it. God. I saw her so wear leather pants end, for like a minute. In the end, he changed just like, as much. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> in the end, she changed for him because he immediately ripped that sweater off. And he's like, back to being me again. <laughs> but in this movie, it's the guy that changes for the girl. Okay. The girl. So I kind of like that. that in Grease's defense, Olivia Newton John comes out in those pants. Yeah, we're not going. We're changing for those pants. Okay, we're going back. <laughs> well, again, I think these these elements are part of the high school fantasy element. I I think we all go through a transitional phase where we're trying to impress mm -hmm. another group of folks. Um, maybe it's a boy, maybe it's a girl, maybe it's a group of people. Maybe you want to be yeah. part of this group or part of that group. Right. No, it, it, cool writer. I mean, cool writer establishes that this is a Grease remake even though it's a sequel, they're remaking it, but you're, you're doing the role reversal, right? So it, it's now the guy chasing the girl yeah. um, and uh, she's the cool one and he's yeah. going to learn to ride motorcycle and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's the narrative hook. It's, it's the, the narrative hook, um, but yeah. it, it's the best, it, to me, it's the best part of the film. I, I understand why everybody loves this song so much. I get it. Yeah, yeah, it is the best musical number in the movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt, but it, I think it has a lot to do with. I think the song is solid, but I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Michelle Pfeiffer is just the camera loves her. And that was, yeah, she is. Yeah. That was very gorgeous. clear from the beginning, and she she really does. I mean, she's holding her own in a musical number. That that is yeah. really hard to do. You're talking about people like Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire and people like that. That's not easy to do. John Travolta might be. I mean, he could do it, I guess, but I mean, that's pretty impressive. No, I, I, I like it. I like it. Now it totally goes downhill with the next one. Who's that guy? So Ooh, who's that guy? <laughs> Literally the, the purpose of the song is to ask a question. You know? <laughs> yeah. Over and over again. I, I enjoy that song. I was I just listening to it before we got on here. One of the reasons why is because I think it's very narrative based. I love that everybody is like completely fascinated with this random masked man like Zorro. And uh, I love that in the movie, you can see, and I, I, I do not mean this to be crass, 
but it's going to sound that way. Clearly, Stephanie is a little turned on. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, her hips are moving up. She's going like this. You know, she's uh, she got this going on here. For our listeners, Sammy is grinding on his microphone yeah. right now. <laughs> twerking a little bit over here. Yeah. He's twerking. Um, Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Uh, well, my problem with this one is the same with back to school, the execution of it. It, it starts with the, who's that guy song, nobody's singing, but then they go in and out of singing it. And it throws me off because again, it goes to that diegetic, non-diegetic issue that this film has. It can't, it can't keep the songs in this world or keep the characters within the songs. It keeps going back and forth. The other problem I have with that is what the hell's going on on screen. So this motorcycle stunt sequence that's going on while they're singing this song is the equivalent of going to a nursing home and watching the old people on their scooters, right? Zero excitement. They just fall over for no reason. Yeah. And then a ramp comes out of nowhere for Michael to jump it. And the cops are like, oh, we jumped our car. We can't chase him now, which I don't know how that cop. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how the cop got out of the car with the (laughs) ramp right next to his door, but he did miraculously. Michael jumps a lot of things here uh, to get out of things. Um, I like, I think it's very much classic musical stuff. I think, you know, you got the bad guys singing about wrapping handlebars around his face and, uh, you got the girls singing about pining for him. You got the dudes that are jealous behind the window too. And you got him fantasizing when he even says the line, what would they say if they knew it was Michael? Right. Uh, I think they'd be like, Oh, the guy with the RBF. Yeah. That guy. I think, (laughs) yeah. The the guy with the IBF, maybe (laughs) (laughs) STD. Sixty-one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, chlamydia it, wasn't invented back then. Again, I should enjoy all that. everything you said. I should like it. I just have a problem in terms of, uh, and, and maybe this falls on Patricia, the director, who can't maybe. seem to get the the kind of rules of a musical. And and I would be okay with her maybe breaking the rules if what I was seeing on screen was exciting. But there's nothing. I mean, it's it's geriatric uh, scooters. Well, I'm not going. I'm not going to deny you that the stunt work is pedestrian. <laughs> yeah, it's it's if all four of us just got on a bunch of huffy bikes and tried to recreate it, uh, I I think we'd do a better job actually. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if the three of us, Tabitha, no. Um, so this comes to the the most rapey song in Hollywood cinema history, which gives me flashbacks to that damn bathroom 24 years ago. Uh, oh my God. Do it for our country. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know what to say about this one. I, my mouth drops every time I watch this so sequence. We were talking about this. Like I was like, obviously you've never been a female in a high school dating boys. Obviously, like they're all. Trying I was a male to in, in a high school pants, dating boys, and they're going to do everything they can to get in your pants. He just got creative with it. He saw an opportunity. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have to give uh, what's his name? What's the character name in the movie? I can't remember I the character. Uh, I have to give him credit uh, for being for going full tilt with the war and bomb alarms and using the bomb shelter and stuff. I have to give him credit for that. Uh, that's that's a step too far. <laughs> I have to say, but I don't, I don't, I don't find the song. I don't find it as rapey as you do. I think that's because I feel like. She's being seduced, and because she doesn't give in, 
I don't. I, I think being seduced and being rapey is two different things. There you go. Well, he kind of puts don't her. Listen, a, you just a, gave Tabitha an entire. Of... <laughs> no, <laughs> take that back because <laughs> she's going to use that later. Troy, you want to go to the bathroom? <laughs> a fallout shelter with the intent of like, yeah. Yeah. What was the intent, Brad? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's like me bringing, if if I got divorced, it's me bringing a new lady home and taking her downstairs to the theater and say, look at all these (laughs) (laughs) Blu-rays. Of course. He still to this day thinks I married him for his DVD collection. (laughs) It's true. Not even. No, it was a late, it was a laser disc collection. The laser disc collection. That's right. Yeah. Um, Well, and I, I might've got this out of order. I can't remember if do it for our country. I think reproduction for, yeah, I, reproduction so that's the other one which doesn't really involve any of the main cast singing it's it's everybody else in the background all of a sudden get a number right yeah well some of the t-birds sing yeah um where does the pollen go right yeah adrian zemet says my mental strations (laughs) (laughs) you do that so well sammy I I i i would pay real money for you just to sing like yeah, do something do Rocky or a picture show. Well, and I do mean, karaoke. I, I think I, I'm actually sad that they never put Grease Two on stage. I've seen Grease on stage several times. I'm actually kind of sad. I've even seen Adrian Zamed as Danny Zuko. Yeah. I haven't seen him do that role. Um, but I, I really wish they would because I, I mean, I, I have the same feeling Tabs does. I think the songs on this, except for one song, maybe two. I love the soundtrack. Okay. Re- reproduction should be fun and it is i I just again it's an example of this song that comes out of nowhere and it it has nothing so brad was talking about hey in the middle of the film they just go we don't have a script what are we going to do we probably don't have songs so reproduction to me is an example of we got to throw something in here time it's like we got to buy some time time yeah do this number while we come up with i think i think it was an outtake from airplane 2 that actually made it into greece 2 I feel like I'm doing all the talking sometimes, so I apologize, but I feel like it's the moment they can be as nasty as they possibly could be in a PG film. Mm -hmm. True. I mean, yes, I mean, it's all right there, right? Oh yeah. And some, I mean, obviously we know what a stamen is supposed to represent. We know what a, what a pistol is supposed to represent. We know what pollen is supposed to represent. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Can you explain (laughs) it? Maybe sing it. Where does the pollen go? Could you sing it, Sammy? <laughs> it's an enigma. <laughs> and I love that even the teachers are horny. <laughs> like the, the yeah. lady oh, the, the teachers hair. are the horniest. <laughs> Is that really how it works in, in high school? You do not need to be getting me fired on. Well, okay. <laughs> it depends on it depends on the area you grew up in. I think our generation thought that's what happens in high school. <laughs> True. Yeah, I think so. It, it has. <laughs> Not to me, but I—I mean, has. Not to you. I mean, you know, that's what I know. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I think the next one. So we we talked about the uh, rapey do it for our country, and then it's rapey. Um, Seducing. Seductive. Seductive. (laughs) Seductive. It's not like she was saying no, and he like forced her. That would be rapey. Ultimately, she runs away from him because right. he's gross, and uh, I think that's that's the important thing to remember here. Okay, in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Jennifer Jason Lee doesn't run away. That's true. That's true. She takes she takes it on the bench. <laughs> oh God, oh, Jesus! <laughs> I got 
trying then to she go. hits up with the <laughs> yeah, she, Then she hooks up with Damone and Damone, she takes it in the chain chain in the bat in the pool house. <laughs> Just taking it all over the place. <laughs> and then she goes downtown. She yeah. takes it to the abortion clinic. And she is. Um <laughs> so let's talk about prowling. Okay, so oh, okay. <laughs> this the rapey elements in Prowlin are are eclipsed by the stupidity on display in the lyrics. So I I want to read these lyrics. You I listen. These are these are sexual innuendo lyrics. Yes. Can I can I get like a like a really sophisticated reading of these yes. lyrics? Yes. Here we go. Either that or you have to sing them. One of the other. Yes. Oh no! <laughs> I I no. Look no, out, Prowlin. Walk like a T-bird. <laughs> Talk like a T-bird. So here we go. Um, we're going prowling. We're going prowling tonight. I see you're hungry for a lover. Gotta find a chick who will give you more. Well, there's a spot that I've discovered where a guy's guaranteed to score. I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna show you cats some action like you've never seen before. We're gonna get some satisfaction. Down at the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Dick in that donut. Yeah. There's a <laughs> there's a female butcher at the luncheon meat display. Oh yeah. Got the best tongue in town. She delivers both night and day. Sweet. Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> Wait. Hold on, hold on. All I can imagine got the best is tongue Adam in Sandler's town. lunch lady. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh, no, it keeps going. Damn. Got the best tongue in town. Yeah. See yeah. the apple of your eye stacking peaches in a five foot pile, just waiting some guy to come and take her rolling down the aisle. And then here's the I could eat a peach for hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then while they're prowling, here's the do the walk talk like a tea. Walk talk yeah. like a beaver. Then he says, Well, I like a deputant who comes across. Now that's what I call class. Well, I like a tall girl with long legs that go right up to her dot, dot, like dot. That. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You know what I like? I like a girl that's really smart, provided that she's really stacked. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love them all and they love me. There's, there's your lyrics to prowling. Yeah. Giant woman. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. First of all, I think, Honestly, and I kind of talked to you guys about this before we started recording. I talked to you during the day today, yeah. uh, during work when we're supposed to be working. We've been talking about this movie for like a couple of days now. Am I so. the only one that fucking works around here? No. <laughs> Jesus we, Christ. Brad is the one who doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think this movie's too long now as I get older in some ways. And Prowlin' is one of those weird sequences where I almost feel like it doesn't really even need to be in here. Absolutely. It just, it just provides Adrian Zamed, I think, with a, a centerpiece moment. And coming into this, I know he really wanted this to be his next. So Zamed made three films in a row, The Final Terror, uh, this, The Final Terror, and Bachelor Party. And he was really hoping that he would come out of that and be the next John Travolta. Right. So is this and, guy that plays Johnny? Yeah. Yeah. I love him as Johnny more than I love Travolta in Grease One. Well, there what? you go. No, so, gee, no, God. All day. Woman, All day. Stop. Stop All with this. Day. This I is going to go on the World Wide Web. I love him. No. This is, that is the hottest take of that is, ever there heard is of my no, life. Okay, there is no way this guy is better than John Travolta. I love I find John Travolta so weird in that movie. I, mean, I find you weird like, right now. He, <laughs> he is so weird. He's a bit weird, but I think that, uh, I think 
Zamed was trying to hope that, you know, because Travolta had Greece. Um, what do you have? He had Greece, Saturday, Saturday Night Fever, and the uh, Urban Cowboy, or yeah. there might have been yeah. something else in between there. Anyway, he had these these three films, and he became this huge star. And Zamed was really hoping the same thing was going to happen. So, from what I understand, they really pushed this track and his performance in this and stuff. And I think he does a really good job. I've he seen does. Adrian Zamed live doing the Danny Zuko character from Greece. He's a very talented guy, and he was on TJ Hooker, which I watched when I was a kid. I remember him from TJ Hooker. Yeah, yeah, but I think I, I would think have liked him better as Danny Zuko. No, in the original. No. Not the original. I just would have. I just really like that guy better. I think no. the song, the problem is, is the song's supposed to be sexual innuendo, and it's just kind of goofy. Yeah, yeah it's, it's goofy. Like, oh, yeah. it's dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because when we, when we watched it this time, I was like, are they saying, like, grocery store clerks or hoes? Or what are they saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, no, I the, the female butcher is. Well, I didn't oh, hear, I didn't hear that word. I didn't hear yeah. that line in there. So I just, I'm going off of the background because I'm more visual. <laughs> And in the background, it's like the cashiers. Are- yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I, I, I just think the song's kind of pointless. You asked it, a question earlier about like, is there an actor? So how how do they do with the songs that they do? I think so. Cool writer, Shel Pfeiffer, Adrian nails this song. It's it's a dumb song. Yeah, he he's so good in this song, and yeah. I think he's really good in this film. And we'll yeah, maybe yeah. we'll give some thoughts about the people he, in it. He's the best thing about the bowling song, too, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with that. I, I mean, I actually enjoy him in this. Now, I'm not going to take it to some psychotic level and say he's better than Travolta. <laughs> That's just shit talk right there. But um, Is that how you treat your guests that come on here? You just... <laughs> <laughs> or am I just special and it's our anniversary? <laughs> it's the latter. <laughs> um, right, next, next track. Charades. I think this oh. is the worst freaking talk about a song that totally takes the life out of a movie. It's terrible. Which one is that? I don't even. This is the RBF oh. guy who's singing in the lunchroom. So this, so, so this is. Oh, yeah, that's awful. Yeah, this is Max Caulfield's moment, and it's such a bad song. Yeah. It's badly performed, and and it's just a bad moment. And it's it doesn't lend anything to his fantasy. His best thing about his fantasy is watching everybody else, and they should have left his character doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I just zone out at this part of the movie. Yeah, that, yeah that it, was, it's like forgettable. Yeah, yeah, that part of the movie is the biggest downfall of the movie for me. I mean, every time, even watching it this time, and I haven't watched it in a decade, I was like, oh, God, here comes charades. Yeah, it's a bathroom break song. <laughs> it, it, is. it is. Well, there's a lot of bathroom no, breaks. There's just one. <laughs> there's the one. <laughs> there, this is oh, one of many. the bathroom break movie. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, next is Girl for All Seasons. Now, you hear sections of this song throughout the film. And what I find funny is the first time Michael plays it on the piano, drum sounds start coming out of the piano because the drummer <laughs> left the stage. So it's just him yeah. playing the piano, but you get a full orchestra coming out of the piano. Some of them type two diegetics. Yeah. Uh, and I, again, I, I guess it plays into the part because they're putting on a show and they're going to win like the hundred records or something. It's a forgettable <laughs> song. I don't know. Yeah. I like it's got one of my favorite though. lines of dialogue in this whole movie is when that guy that sings a song you don't like to do it for your country is like the greatest hits of beef loaf. <laughs> <laughs> beef. Oh, I thought it was beef oven or something. I oh, said beef loaf. I think. Beef loaf. Okay. 
don't know why. Yeah. I do love the anyway. costuming in it, though. I, I really yeah. enjoyed the costuming on the girl. This one was just one of those ones for me. It was like, oh, they're doing a performance on stage in high school. So it's not going to be great because it's right. supposed to be in high school. So I gave that one a little bit of a pass. Yeah. And, they, and they wrote it themselves. And yeah. Yeah, okay. Ha- amateurs. Yeah, they kind of half-ass it too, and then same thing but with, it, it, I, with Prowl. I think it, <laughs> yeah, I think it's supposed to. It's supposed to be that way in a way because it leads into the next song. Uh, love will turn back the hands of time, which is, I, is it's, one of the most cocaine-fueled moments in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it. What is he standing on? It's <laughs> like, a, it's like be- a mound of motorcycles. Well, it's, it's like what Greece one had the same thing. It what? was the beauty. Beauty school oh, yeah. dropout. Yeah. yeah. Beauty school dropout. Yeah. It's it was the same kind of fantasy, Adam, yeah. like dreamlike, like, but in this case, he's dead. That he's on a sense. mountain of motor. That one made sense, though. But it, it's the same for me. Like, I had the same feeling during both songs of each movie. Oh, no, no, like, I did. Where I just kind of like, it's, it's one of my least favorite parts. But what I didn't understand was when he jumped the cliff or whatever, and they looked down and saw that he was not down there, why does she assume that he's dead then you would think if you saw him dead in the bottom then yeah you're gonna think he's dead i was so confused why she thought he was dead i don't know and so like you could argue that the t-birds chased them off so they kind of caused this death they literally go back on stage they're putting on a show (laughs) minutes later they're like yeah that guy died but hey we got to put on a show yeah psychopaths psychopath they committed a murder and then they had to run back to high school to do the musical so i, I had the same thing with tab that was like is he dead or nice I, I don't know what's going on and then all of a sudden you see the dream sequence where he's like a uh rockabilly angel yeah. and i'm like okay well the song is telling the audience he's dead and these kids committed a murder and are now putting on a musical um, these kids are dicks the song, the song is is from michelle fiber's character's perspective right. she thinks he's dead but I do think it leads to one of the other good moments in the movie that I always laugh at, and that's uh, uh, Adrian's the best character. Go, he made the jump. I, yeah, I could do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I could totally do that. <laughs> it's it, but I, but uh, it, it is it's it's kind of a silly moment narratively. Mm-hmm. I agree, but it's all it's all just there to set up the end. That's all it's yeah. there for. It's just there to set up the Rockahula. Thing. It just didn't land. If you would have told me this movie in the last 10 minutes has a luau, I would have said you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. We're we're doing a luau and we're 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 going for it. Yeah, so that brings us to Raka Hula Luau, where they uh tried to recreate the finale yeah. of the first Greece with an above ground pool and supplies <laughs> from Party City. And pyrotechnics. Uh, yeah, but it looks like the film ran out of money at this point. I mean, it, it looks so cheap. It's ridiculous. The bike, the bike tricks are a bit, uh, calling them tricks is a... <laughs> Again, Again, another uh, ramp. <laughs> we could do it with our Huffy bikes um, and uh, some two-by-fours Pretty and stuff. sure, though, the stuntman that made that jump, I'm pretty sure he did not land that jump. That, that bike is almost... Like perpendicular. <laughs> By the time you see it go across the screen, he's like this, and it's just like, whoa, there it goes. Uh-oh. And then they cut. And then you see the director singing off, yeah. and he's like on a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> Again, though, I'm going to argue this whole... So this leads into the last song, and I don't mean to cut Troy off and his whole narrative he's got going here, but... Oh, no, lead, please do. Lead, <laughs> we're, like these two, we're making it up as we go. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is all for the payoff. All of this is all for the payoff for Maxwell Caulfield to be sleeveless in leather um with a bird in his mouth yeah then, 
And Brad. Brad would love the movie. Brad would love it at that point. <laughs> Maxwell Caulfield came out with a bird in his mouth and that leather. Oh. Oh, Natalie, God. you better go upstairs. I'm so confused right now. That's the reason why they call him Brad the Blister. <laughs> anyway, but it's all the buildup just to that moment, the hero moment. Now he's going to reveal who he is. And it's both one of those moments where every time I think about it in reality, in a movie, it seems like maybe crazy romantic or crazy fantasy fulfillment. But you have to wonder, like Michelle Pfeiffer comes off of that pool and stuff. You have to wonder if she's not just furious in some way, too. Like, you know, I thought you was dead. And she kind of acts like that a little bit. But it's all to build just to that moment. That's all. That's all it is. For the me, whole school is at this luau, though. They're like, yeah. hey, where's the one guy who speaks British? He's not here. Where's he? Yeah. Where no is Michael? Whatever yeah, happened to exactly. Michael? <laughs> you put two and two together, man. Michael yeah. bad. Oh. That was another thing. Why is he British? Oh, yeah. Good when point. Sandy was Australian and their cousins. and Yeah, I think uh, they they try to explain that in the very beginning with a little bit of dialogue. And that she, she, he's just an exchange student with her cousin, Sandy. And that's the reason why. Yeah, but why wasn't he from Australia? I mean, they say he's from England. She was from Australia. I feel like the screenwriter didn't know geography and thought they were thought like right thought their accents were just similar. Like, so. I, that's, if their accents sounded like those things got to be right next to each other. Probably just comes down to the fact that they cast Maxwell Caulfield. Right. And he was British. And they probably like, oh, well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> but I, I, for me as a kid, I like that moment because the man of mystery element. So one of my other favorite films of all time is Zorro the Gay Blade. I love Zorro the Gay Blade. It's a ridiculous movie, but I love it. I I do find that film very funny. Yeah. Yeah. But I've always enjoyed the masked man stuff, the guy, the mystery guy and stuff like that. So there's a part of that that I'm, I don't know what it is about me. There's a part of that that, I don't know, puts a smile on my face when he gives himself up. It, it, it's cheesy as all hell. I know it is, but it just, it, it works for me for some reason. Yeah. Agreed. Well, we if- learned... Einhorn was Finkel and Finkel was Einhorn. <laughs> Did you have like, was your mind blown at that point in time? I got wet. <laughs> <laughs> so if I showed up in the, was it sleeveless leather jacket with my, my chest just showing stuff like that, that dude for you tabs. If somebody so, wants to see me dancing on camera, you should have seen that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not wearing a shirt underneath that leather jacket, right? There's a lot right. of chafing. A lot of chafing. How sweaty is that man? Like, oh, he's sweaty. Uh, yeah. How sweaty it, was Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman? <laughs> Come on. Wow. Yeah. Well, that was a good sweat. <laughs> yeah. uh, Men paid for that sweat. Same thing here. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the last, At least to the last song, though, right? Yeah, we'll be together. And I, I think, so I'll share my thought on this. Uh, most films, I think, try to end with a real toe tapper or something that's kind of memorable. And again, Grease's We Go Together is is just a catchy, fun song. And then it leads into the Grease theme song, right? And they play that with the yearbook pictures. And and you just, you leave that movie smiling. This one is just really, it, it the movie limps into its credits with this song. It's terrible. Um, there's just no pizzazz to it. And then when you see Maxwell... Caulfield try to dance there. I mean, it looks like it looks like he just got out of hip surgery and he's afraid to throw his hip out. Um, the guy can't sing nor dance, uh, and it's clear at that vision. He's doing but, the wavy tube man dance where like you know he's just kind of. But he's trying not to wave too much so that yeah, you know his new like hip subtle. doesn't go out or something. But 
So what I don't is, know. What, I, is, what does Tabs think of this song? Yeah. Eh, it, it has similar feel to the same ending song for Grease One for me, but okay, it's just Brad. Fun. I, I hate the last song. I mean, it, it's like a dud. It's a huge dud to end a movie on. I'm already like trying to find my code at this point in time. And you're like, oh, you're giving me a reason to turn this off right now. Oh, I'm gonna be the only one. Maybe I love the song. Oh, I love it. I love the the romanticism of the song. I love the the way it's about. It's singing about the nostalgia of always being with those ones mm-hmm. you love from high school, and always being with the that 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 social circle. Now, we all know that's not our reality a lot. I mean, I hardly talk to anybody I went to school with, but um, I, I like the optimism of that. Yeah, I do. I will say this with Grease One. I, I had a little I had a big issue at the end of the first movie because they're flying off in a car into the fucking yes. clouds like <laughs> yeah. that. I, I They lose me on that. That's when that's when cocaine started. Cocaine, <laughs> cocaine started at the Did end you, of Grease. I was just talking to my co-teacher today. Did you know about this like theory about Grease one. Have you heard about it? This theory about like what that flying off into the the clouds meant. Uh, outside of the cocaine theory, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I just heard this today, literally. Um, that there was a theory, a fan fiction theory, I guess that um, that she died at the end of the summer, and that was them going off to heaven. Like he's joining her up in heaven. What? What'd she die of? I don't know. Like she drowned at the beach or something. Is what no. my she drowned at the beach. Me. I don't know. So That's I've heard a- this theory before. I've heard this theory of. Uh, Possibly, it's kind of like the uh, what's that song, Leader of the Pack, the kind of ghost. So, like maybe her and Danny Zuko drove off in the car, and when they drove off in the car for graduation, they went around Dead Man's Curve and they wrecked, and that, that's mm. why you see them flying off because the romance was it was too powerful. It was not meant to be on this earthly coil. Mm. Or they made a kick-ass car <laughs> that could fucking fly. Or, or in shop snorted, class, yeah, somebody snorted. <laughs> Randall Kleiser snorted two lines of coke and said, "I got an idea." <laughs> yeah, that one, you fly. That takes me out of the movie right there. I no, that, did you that. see how badass their shop teacher was? And when they turned that hunk and junk into grease lightning, they could clearly make a car that could fly. So why didn't they drive that one in the race? <laughs> tore up in the. It, it wasn't ready yet. <laughs> got tore up in the L.A. River, man. Yeah, um, I I guess I can see that. I don't know. I just. Again, I, maybe go back to this film. I, I just I like that song. It it, yeah. it it hits me emotionally. I don't know why. Maybe the chord changes could get into some music theory here and everything. There is some pitch changes in the song that I like, but I just I like how all the characters get kind of a small wrap up moment, uh, including your rapey character. He asked the question, will I ever score? And she says, there's nothing wrong with just liking each other. Mm-hmm which I think is a very powerful moment from a female character. Yep. And I don't think that gets enough credit. Well, because by that time in the film, you just want fucking out of the movie theater. <laughs> where's my coat? Yeah, where's my, my coat? coat? We're leaving. By that we time, I'm leaving. Looking, looking for my copy of my tutor on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so tap that. I mean, overall, outside of the one or two songs, I mean, this is this. I, I, I'm afraid to ask this question. So we watched Greece, and then we followed up with this. Do you think the songs are as strong as the ones in Greece? A couple of them. Wh- which is it? Why cool writer and almost all of them. But oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> just, just not the one guy, the Australian or the English guy. Okay. So they're, like, for you, for you, the they're on the songs. same level. Oh yeah, I'll listen to the whole soundtrack and just skip that one song. Okay. All right. I, I thought it was interesting. So this last weekend, 
I feel like we just watch musicals all weekend because we watch okay. Grease. We watch Grease 2. And then okay. we took the family to see Rocky Horror Picture Show, like a full audience participation thing. Uh, and, and to me, Grease 2 has a lot more in common than Rocky Horror Picture Show than the original Grease, just in terms of quality. Um, whereas Rocky Horror, I, I like the music in that more than I like Grease, but I, I think it's probably made at the same level of competency. Um, and then we watched Kiss Me Kate on Sunday, which is a film that we happened to see at the Castro Theater in San Francisco on our honeymoon in 3D. They were showing it, the original uh, format. And I love that movie. Yep. But it's it's amazing where Grease 2 sits when you take a step back and go, well, let me look at an MGM musical. Let me look at something from the 70s or two two movies from the 70s, Rocky Horror and Grease. And then you get Grease 2, this musical from the 80s. And I feel like it's trying to borrow from all of that. It's got a little bit of Rocky Horror. It's got the Grease in there. Um, I really It doesn't have anything from Kiss Me Kate because Kiss Me Kate has Ann Miller dancing the hell out of that movie. And nobody right. can dance where the crap in Grease 2, in my opinion. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer okay, on a ladder, I think Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer on a ladder. <laughs> Adrian Zemed does a pretty good job, too. Adrian Zemed is really, yeah. I, I yeah. that did surprise yeah. me. Watching this, I really found a new appreciation for Adrian Zemed. I can totally see him as Danny Zuko, so I get mm -hmm. why you equate that. However, John Travolta will always be my Danny Zuko. Yeah, um, but I, I don't know if the rest of the T-Birds mm -hmm. just hold him back for me because I, I really don't like the other t-birds that much yeah i love yeah. kaniki in the first one better but i still oh, yeah. like some of these other t-birds and the second one yeah they all have their own little charm can we just talk a few like wtf moments why is there <laughs> for a this, for this movie sure yeah. why why was there a trench in the football field yeah what, what was that about um <laughs> <laughs> They, they uh, had to the have Cold a, War. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where the kids are buried. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's they, Jesus. That's <laughs> they, <laughs> all the guys that they run off the cliff. Yeah. They put them in yeah. the trench. <laughs> where the, all the, the one T birds rape victims go, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's strictly because they have to have Sid Caesar do a pratfall. Yeah. It's strictly that's just the real for that. answer. I'm going with that whole rape victim shallow grave thing. <laughs> that's certainly more interesting. It is. it is. I like that. You can't theory. get charged with murder if they can't find the body. <laughs> <laughs> um what happened to Frenchie? So th this is one thing that annoys me because I like I like Didi Khan a lot, but yeah, she's in she's in the beginning, then she shows up for like a couple scenes in the middle. Uh and then she's nowhere in the back half of the film. Like yeah. I feel like she just quit and it was like Fuck yeah. this. She's this movie's not, terrible. I'm out. She's not very good at school. <laughs> she's yeah. really good. She quit. I, I don't know. I, I think what I read was they just they just completely dropped the ball on that. I, I see that. I mean I yeah. thought she was in a car accident in real life oh, during the shit. filming of this movie. I don't I don't oh, know. Oh, was she? She's I thought that I thought that's what happened. And they had like they were using doubles for a little bit, but like, yeah, or something. Someone in this movie was in a car accident and yeah. I can't remember. I thought it was the. Not. There's like nine thousand characters in this movie, so yeah, there's a lot. She's on the football field. Yeah. <laughs> She's in the trench. Yeah. She's in the trench. Make it out to that shelter. Sid Caesar down there raping her. <laughs> oh my god! God damn it! <laughs> well, I mean, what 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 are the basketball, notes? Basketball, basketball, basketball. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. Um, what other what other notes or thoughts do you have on this? I mean, clearly, I just have one note. Yeah, it's almost two hours long. It's way too long. Oh my it's god, way it too long. Feels so much. So Greece feels ninety like minutes. Thirty 90 minutes, right? Minutes. This get ninety. This one feels longer than two hours, and I, I think it's because as soon as that Maxwell Caulfield song hits that whatever five minutes feels like 40 mm -hmm. minutes. And that's my biggest problem with the movie itself is he's a wet blanket. Like he sucks. Like I was like, Michelle Pfeiffer, why would you want to be with this guy? Even if he does have a motorcycle, you're literally one of the most gorgeous people ever. And you're going to like be with this mannequin. Like, okay. Okay. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's the one criticism I, I come back to is, I mean, watching it this time, I didn't even I didn't even remember it ever being this long. And yeah, I was like, it wow, felt long. Is this is this movie that long? And for the first time and all the times I've watched it, uh, it felt long. And uh, that's the one criticism I would have. I still, I, obviously, I love the film. I've defended it as far as I can defend it. <laughs> but uh, I do think it it does have its problems. There's no doubt. Oh, yeah. First of all, it, it's 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 pretty it's a bit hacky. There's no doubt about that. It's not very well made. Um, but I think it gets by a lot on charm. Mm -hmm. It's just fun. Uh, Troy, I'm going to say this statement and you're going to be shocked. Yeah. I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm shocked. This goes back to what I told you. I last. hated it. <laughs> I think you like musicals more than you realize. Uh, realize. I, I really do. I think most people who say they don't like musicals will find out that they like musicals more than they think they do. Yeah, it's true. I just, I have, a, and this one is guilty of it too, where you're just like, all of a sudden we're doing stuff and then now we're singing. And I'm like, yeah. I, that just, it takes me a minute to kind of shift and like, okay, now we're, we're doing this musical part. Okay. Now we're shifting back to dialogue. I guess I'm just dumb and it takes me a little while to shift back no. and forth. I don't think so. I think that, that that's just something that some people have and some people don't. And I just think it's, it's something I'll buy every time. Like I'll buy Gene Kelly dancing with an animated mm -hmm. mouse. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, he could do that in the middle of a lovemaking scene and I'd probably be into it. There, Actually, I'd be more into it than there I is. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a bird. Brad's all over. Is it a bird? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's something about musicals. I, I really enjoy, the just weird musicals that kind of take you on just an adventure and you you watch stage fright this weekend too i did oh yeah i did watch stage fright and that's a horror musical right with meatloaf so oh that one yeah okay i thought you were talking about the italian film no 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 no, no no not the Mikel soyavi one the uh i can't remember directed but it's the one with meatloaf uh I and i really I, yeah i really enjoy that one i mean it's a slasher film as a musical and I'll say this, I mean, everything about Greece I should like, but I don't I don't know if it comes down to the fact that Greece two. Greece two. Greece two, sorry. Like yeah, I love Greece. Uh Greece two. The problem I run into is I don't know if the execution is so bad with, you know, how they do the musical numbers that I can't get over that. And let's, you know, take a step back and say, okay, fifty percent of the songs I can go, they're okay. They're, they're not exactly memorable, but I can turn around and go, I do like them. I mean, I like Cool Rider, but it's sure. it's just, I don't know. It, it feels like it should be this goofy, fun 
musical and I don't think it embraces that enough to a certain degree. Like yeah. cats for me was just so out there and, and maybe my enjoyment of that and saying, Oh my God, I, I can't believe I enjoyed watching cats was because at every five minutes I'm like, did, did they just do that? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Whereas this one, I'm just, I'm having trouble dissecting it or, or digesting it because of the execution. And then when I think it really should be out there, it feels like it's, it's holding its punches back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it never goes out there. I don't think it's, right. it's not the Apple or it's not uh Rocky horror picture show or it's not. Well, even no, hairspray. It's not even, yeah. It's not hairspray even. Yeah. Yeah. It, With, Apple's a great compare. I think Apple is a terrible film. Sure. But from a musical perspective, it's just so out there and goofy. And you're like, all right, I'm in. Um, yeah. Voyage of the Rockstars with Craig Schaefer is another one that I'm like. I feel, there's one I like a lot that nobody ever talks about, and that's Animal Olympics. It's an animated one. It's a musical. And oh. uh, it's oh got my. some crazy stuff in it. You should definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. I, I've i never heard of that. I've okay. never either. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I just. the only person yeah. I know who brings up Voyage of the Rockstar like rock. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like it's like everyone knows what he's talking about. Like, uh, literally, seven think, people know that movie. Right. I think Animal, I think Animal Olympics is Don Bluth. I'm pretty sure it's Don Bluth. Okay, I think you're right. But, but even Xanadu, I like Xanadu. Um, I love Xanadu yeah. because it it has these elements that it just really goes out there. And plus, I mean, Gene Kelly. But um, that Olivia Newton John. Yeah, well, anything Olivia Newton John, fantastic. But um, we're not having this debate right now. So <laughs> I'm not. I'm not the biggest Olivia Newton John fan. <laughs> I can see it. Don't I can understand. Don't encourage that. (laughs) She was important. I mean, she was important to me because of, you know, being Sandy and because of, you know, she had big hits at the uh, big. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. She she had some big hits, (laughs) but she did. I mean, they were slightly before my time. Sorry. I I didn't know because I was born in 78. So, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. So it was right around the time she really broke. Right. 78 79 yeah it was it was late 70s and early 80s mm-hmm. so yeah well in any, any other final thoughts tabitha i mean it's not a fucking bomb <laughs> wow. there you go right there there's her vote sammy are, are you in are you in the not a fucking bomb camp i'm in the not a fucking bomb camp i think this is a decent musical i don't think it's a masterpiece i love it dearly um, I think there's better musicals, no doubt. Um, but I, I enjoy this as a sequel to Grease. And uh, I like these characters. I like spending time on them. I like the songs. And I find the movie, I find the movie sweet. I don't find it uh, like a lot of those films from that era that you go back and they are quite problematic. Uh, if you look at them with uh, 2022 goggles, there are some sweet elements in there. Some moments of growing up and some of the things we go through. So. I still think this film has that. Okay. What about you, Brad? You didn't hate it as much as you <laughs> thought. You I thought I was going to, yes, I am actually, I am going down into the bomb shelter and getting ready for the new fallout because Grease 2 is dropping a bomb on me. It is it is a bomb for me. Um, I, I actually enjoyed it a little bit more than I thought. Reproduction will be something that I hold on to for the rest of my life. So, uh, yeah. And the image of Michelle Pfeiffer straddling that ladder will get me places. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Where does the falling go? Oh, 
Yeah, I like the boing nose. Boing, yeah, it's, kind of boing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's subtle, you know. I wanted the boing-oing, but it just goes the boing. So. A subtle moment. Yep. I, you know, here's the thing. I want to love this film. I really do. It, it, I think this might be the biggest problem you have with this movie is I think you want it, but it just won't let you have it. I don't. I, I think you're right. I mean, it, it, it is the Stephanie Zanoni of movies for you. It is. Uh, it, it it has everything that I should love about this type of film and even musicals in general. But the, yeah. those two things, I just can't get across. And and maybe I wouldn't have a problem with the diegetic non diegetic stuff if the if the songs were so um, catchy. But there's there's only one song and a couple of performances that do it for me. Um, but I'll say this. Every time I watch this film, I watch it with Tabitha, and it is an absolute pleasure to watch this movie with her. Like, as as bad as there are some oh, parts in this that's film, really sweet, yeah, that's, that's kind <laughs> of it's our anniversary. He's got to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I say this all the time. Like, I don't mind watching Grease two over and over again with her because it's. It, I mean, it's a testament to film, right? If somebody loves a movie so much, it can yeah. be infectious. Yeah. And so you're just enjoying watching that with them. Mm -hmm. uh, question. How did you enjoy watching the pest? Because uh, you were really complaining the entire movie. <laughs> that was terrible. Like well, that's the pest is the one color. Yeah, that's yeah. that was a hate crime. And, <laughs> and I enjoyed it thoroughly. You were dying that night watching the pest. I think it's interesting you say that because I enjoy watching Dirty Dancing with my wife, mm -hmm. but I don't enjoy watching Dirty Dancing alone. Yeah, I watched Dirty Dance. I had that that movie I kind of like, but there, yeah, there's there's a whole. Well, now let's not go crazy here. I will walk in on some of the films that she's watching on Netflix, like the, and I can't do it. Everything I watch on Netflix, he doesn't even give it a half a second. He's like, I give it five you minutes. Another shit show. <laughs> wow! Wow! It has to be on physical media. Don't Evidently, you know yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. It's be a hard you mean, copy. don't own it on. What this doesn't have seven? This doesn't have eleven point three sound. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be a hard copy. Criterion doesn't want anything on it. <laughs> you know, make fun of me all you want, but when they take it off Netflix and you're like, "Oh, I can't get a copy of this," I'll be sitting on that copy. You won't even be able to find it. You're like, it's down there somewhere. Oh shush! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't even opened it yet. Yeah, yeah. What the I, Kino version or? The, I understand the, that. Uh, the joke I made today is whatever. Clean up those Blu-rays. Yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna agree with Brad. It it's a bomb, but um, I'm I do. We got the door going out because we gotta let the dog out now. Um, but yeah, I I I enjoy watching it with Tabitha. I love the fact that she gets so much out of it. I'll watch it over and over again. But man, I would never watch this on my own. I just I can't do it. Yeah. So we need to watch. We need to all three get when we get together. We need to watch Zorro the Gay Blade. I've, I've never seen that. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, is it Guy oh, Hamilton? Movie's a uh, Gary. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, George Hamilton. George Hamilton. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that, that movie is problematic in hindsight. I promise you that. But it'd be fun to see how other people react to it. I don't even know. If you know. Brad, have you ever seen that? I have not. I have not. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's man. I think I saw that in the theater too. I did. I yeah. did. Uh, that that'll be different. Well, we we actually had some feedback on Greece too. Uh, I don't want to read it verbatim, but we we had somebody write in and say that they knew Greece two was somebody. bad. Somebody uh, because when they were stoned, it was terrible. And they said that Velasa Pastor was better. Um, well, that narrows it down a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. 
<laughs> it's one of our listeners. Let's just say that. Uh, yeah. And Brad, didn't didn't you have some email today? Um, I, I did. I do, will, do you want to read that? Pull it up right now. Yes, this comes in from our listener Matt. Subject line: Losers. Uh, hey, Brad, did the Bengals win last night? Ouch! Did not. Please, I request that you respect my family's privacy during this difficult time. <laughs> um, Ouch. And since you're defeated right now, I would love for you to discuss Troy Duffy's film, Boondock Saints 2, All Saints oh. Day. Oh, love my you. goodness. Matt. I've never seen it. <sighs> Why are you shaking your head, Sammy? Is it, is it that good? If racial slur was a movie, it would be Boondock <laughs> Saints 2, All Saints Day. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, I can't get behind the Boondock Saints thing. No. None of it. I like the first one because at one point in time I was 13 years old and thought it was the most important movie ever. But um, yeah. yeah, I understand. Well, so that one may not make it on uh, unless we're doing like, I don't know, something terrible to each other. Then we'll pick that. Uh, yeah. Bad yeah. sequels month. I mean, that, that's, that, that's, <laughs> that that's might be one of the worst month. sequels. Yeah. yeah. That's an easy month to get films from right there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've got one more film left in February, and Natalie gets to pick, right? So what what is she choosing? Oh, boy. She is choosing a David Zucker film. It D- is My Boss's Daughter from 2000, 2003. It is a romantic comedy starring oh. Tara Reid and Ashton Kutcher. Mm. Oh, my Karen goodness. Stamp. <laughs> what? You, what was that, that noise? That's that right up your almost, alley. That movie's almost 20 years old. I don't old. like Tara I know. Reed, though. You're old. I like Jesus Ashton, but I don't Christ. like Tara Reed. You don't like Tara? Remember when Tara Reed was a thing? She's in Van Wilder. American. That was Why? back when... Uh, that was it. Yeah, when her nipples weren't like this. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Sorry. That was, that was a low blow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, she peaked. She peaked at Big Lebowski, and that was that was it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wasn't she in that awful Christian Slater film, Alone in yes. the Dark, by U- Uwe Boll oh, or something? Yes, yes. That has to be one Horrible. of the worst movies she's ever done. That's one of the worst remember, movies ever. Period. I seem to remember in a date rape movie, but I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. <laughs> Grease Two. <laughs> she was one of the background dancers. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I just had the boing sound effect. <laughs> boing. <laughs> well, uh, Sammy, you've had uh, some interesting films on the Gentleman's Guide lately. Um, and what's nice about it is some of the movies you've been reviewing I already own, so I don't have to run out and buy them. So thank you very much. Uh, but uh, what do you guys got going on over there? Uh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, we got so many movies to cover, we don't even have enough time to do it, right? So um, we just put out Almost Human, which is Italian Eurocrime. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the farmer recently and, uh, I'll go ahead and crack a sneak peek at next week. Uh, for those, uh, who haven't listened to the new show yet, but we're doing a uh, deep cover next week. Oh, can't wait. Ooh, yeah. I've, I think I've got 30 more minutes left on this week's episode. So, uh, I don't own that film. So now I, I think I got to go buy that Kino blue. Um, since you guys have been talking about it. Almost human. Yeah. 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 If you like Euro crime films, you got to have that one. I like top 10. Yeah. I never, never got into it until you got, until I found your guys' podcast and then just started creating this whole hit list of Eurocrime films that I had to watch and it's hurt my bank account. So, um, it's not my fault, Tabitha. (laughs) Don't worry. You are not the problem. (laughs) Oh, no, no. He's the problem. Do you not remember us having coffee when he was here? And somebody's like, hey, this book's on sale. (laughs) Both of us are like buying it right there. Wait a minute now. 
There's a third wheel there. Randy's part of the problem. Too. Yeah. Oh, I'm like 400 yes. miles away. You're like, here, look at this book. I'm like, yeah, it's $200. I don't want to buy a 35 shut pound up. book. <laughs> <laughs> How much? <laughs> it was seven, $17. $17. It weighed not, a lot. Not helping, Tweety Bird. Not helping. <laughs> oh, my God. That's his new nickname, Tweety Bird. <laughs> she rides. Oof. That <laughs> All I could hear is Howard Stern. Sorry, I'm not going there. Okay. The only, the only time in my life I'd ever lick the top step. <laughs> oh my God. I gotta go. <laughs> Brad, if anybody wants to recommend a bomb for us to discuss or give us their thoughts on Greece 2, how do they get a hold of us? That's not Boondock Saints 2. Um, that's not a bomb pod at gmail.com or on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also go to our website, which is notabombpodcast.com, and hit the contact us button, and you can just write your question there, which awesome. seems what most people do. Love it. Uh, Sammy, thanks again for jumping on. I'm, I'm so, I was so excited that you loved this film and were able to come on and talk about it, so can't wait to have you back. Yeah. I think we all have films that we don't understand why we love them so much, right? Right. So. Oh, no. I understand why I love all the films I love. Yeah. I don't understand why he loves all the films that he loves. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make him love Grease too before he does. Right. <laughs> Someday. I, loved, I love the film sidekicks and I don't know why. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, people are kicking each other in the face. So I think <laughs> right there. Chuck uh, Norris. Yep. Uh, Tab that we got to have you back on. This was awesome. This was so much fun. We'll do it earlier in the day. So yeah. you're not so tired. We were just talking about that. Me and one of my teachers were like, why don't they do the Super Bowl at one o'clock in the afternoon? This is bullshit. <laughs> Having to stay up late yeah. for this. We're tired in the morning. Yeah. That's, they don't. Re reality is not for people who actually work. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. Oh, so I should just quit. No, <laughs> no, it's not like what he said. Nobody's taking a shot at you, Brad. Not. No. Um, happy Valentine's Day. Happy anniversary. I love you Did so I? much. I know. You're the. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you pulled the Han Solo line. I, mean, I like that. See, that, that's why we get along so well. There he is. Um, I don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, or evening. Thank you for downloading the episode. Uh, if you're playing along, check out the rom-com that we're reviewing next week that I totally forgot the title to, but apparently My Boss's Daughter. My <laughs> Boss's Daughter, that one. In uh, the late 70s, that was a different movie. <laughs> the yes, it was. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I see what you're doing there. We're not watching the late 70s version. We're watching the whatever the 20-year-old version. 20 Tara years Reed. old? Okay, Tara Reed. Tara Reed. Tara Reed. Okay. Well, hey, listen. We will catch you next week, and thanks for listening. Where does the pollen go? <laughs> yeah. Where does the pollen go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the boing. <laughs> Uh, see you, folks. Good stuff. Yeah, you're going to hear the dog's feet all night. Shut up. Are you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> <You> started? <laughs> Not yet. I can. I need a little gap. So when I go to edit it, I, now you just... Uh, I you are pausing because the dog's nails are going to... No, go. I don't care about the dog. I care about you talking right now. <laughs> this is easily the best part of this podcast. <laughs> just keep, keep it all in. Keep it all in. <laughs> this is not working. I'll be quiet. <laughs> all right. Fucking train wreck already. <laughs> I need a mute button. <laughs> I need to mute you.
All right. <clears throat> Give me a. <laughs> Sorry. 